Anchor FM is one of the best ways to make and distribute your podcasts. Their online creative tools can allow you to make your podcasts from home and on the go. Anchor will also help you get your podcast sponsored with no minimum listenership and help you make money while doing your podcast. And distribution is the easiest thing ever. I've used many different distribution sites. Anchor so far has been the best. And they can get you on every major distribution site out there. They can take your RSS feed, whether you're creating a new one or if you're just moving a show from another platform, sign up for Anchor at anchor.fm now. And when you get there, Make sure you pay attention to everything they tell you to do, and they'll help make your podcast great and help make you some money. Again, head on over to Anchor.fm now. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Sunday Night Roundtable on the Wide Men Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. Here's the guys to discuss anything and everything brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy and wowfreecam.com. Here's your hosts, Nate, T.R., and Tim. What's up, everybody? It's Sunday night. It's time for your fix, your Sunday night delight. I'm Nate. I'm here. Tim and TR are with me. What's up, gentlemen? It's the Sunday night round table, square table, triangle table, whatever the fuck kind of table we have. We're at it right now. Yowza, yowza, yowza. Hey, a yowza. Uh, I still fucking just do that. Because Carmine, the big ragu, Raguso, and Laverne and Shirley did it. And I have no proper way that I ever thought out of introducing myself. And I know it's fucking stupid, so I do it just to piss people off if they don't like it. So how you doing, people? And how you doing, Tim? Yeah, not so bad, boys. Uh, you know, I hear that uh, that awesome fucking little clip we got there at the beginning. Great, great piece of work that is. And then I picture Nate in the bushes of West Virginia, loaded for bear, hunting something. And then I see myself with a hunting a rat, and then I see Tom Robinson petting a rat in his kitchen, but I don't know why. <laughs> well, speaking of I which, spe- speaking of West Virginia, I got a guy calling in right now. You may recognize him. Joining us right now, ladies and gentlemen, is Bobby Blaze. What's up, Bobby? What's up? You motherfuckers, West Virginia. <laughs> I got more listeners from West Virginia than I do over in Kentucky, my fucking home state, that godforsaken place. There's only about three, four fucking people from Kentucky are worth a shit. One of them's Jim Cornette. One of them's Charles Masters fucking dead and me. So, hey, Tom. Hey, fucking uh, Nate. How the fuck are you guys? I told you I'm not fucking spring tonight, man. I might be fucking, I might be like fucking Carl Childers and pop a fucking spring. I've already got a fucking loose spring in my bed, man. And I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. So thank you for having me on your show, man. Wise men can't jump. I'm glad to fucking be here. And I might be like Carl Childers and pop a fucking spring. I ain't fucking kidding. God damn. Fucking right. Good to hear from you guys. <laughs> can't teach that. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a problem. North Canadian border tariff on Bobby Blaze. Let me tell you. 
Bob, Bobby, our other on a sunny night, our our hockey expert from Canada, and the Tim and Tom show partner of mine, Tim Dombrov. I don't know if you guys ever met on the phone. I have never. Well, like no, we have not. Mister Blaze, a pleasure. Jim, nice to meet you. And if you're from Canada, by God, I bet you know a thing or two about hockey. Fuck yeah. I do, sir. Yeah, I know a little bit about basketball and uh, not a lot about hockey, but uh, I I appreciate and respect the sport of hockey. That's for damn sure. Me too, brother. We'll get along fine, then. What have you been up to, Yeah, what have you been into? Glad you could join us here. You've got your new... Let's go ahead and get the plugs out of the way. Bobby's got his new the, podcast. I'll plug it cheaper than a fucking anal plug, man. I got the new fucking app, Blaze, uh, Bell to Bell Blaze fucking podcast with my main man from the fucking Geekest cast, Jeremy Vilmer, over there. Yeah, uh, I'll give it more plugs than a fucking $2 fucking anal plug in the back of a fucking old penthouse. You know what I'm saying? I guess nowadays you people refer to internet. And you better leave my fucking girl, Foster Gray, along because I can only jack off to her so many fucking hours a day. But the bottom line is when I'm feeling gray, I turn to her, oh, Sasha Gray. But anyway, yeah, I'll give you a cheap fucking anal plug, Sasha. Here's the thing. Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, the new podcast. We've been doing great numbers. I'm real happy with it with the geekish cast, Jeremy Bilmer. But you know what? I'm just glad to be on your fucking show. Wide men can't jump, baby, because I get to be with my man Nate, my man Tom. And who did I just meet? Was that Jim John? Who was that? <laughs> Tim, 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 Tim. Jim John will do, though. You tell me whatever the fuck you want, sir. <laughs> Jim, I'll just call you, sir. Hello, sir, you hockey player. There you go. Novelist, motherfucking expert, motherfucker. Whatever level you are. I got hit with too many fucking hockey picks when I, pucks when I was a kid. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, the Bell to Bell podcast, <laughs> I've listened to it. I actually really enjoy the show. It's usually uh, about uh, 35, 45 minutes to an hour, and it's, you know, you and, you and your co-host dive into different subjects, do a lot of top tens and, and things like that. And I really enjoy the show and everything you guys do. It's fun. There's great stories, entertaining. It's funny. So if you guys are listening out there and you haven't listened to it, go download it now. They're, I think you guys are up to, what, four or five episodes now? Yeah, we just recorded number six earlier. Number five was about, um, you know, greatest stables in professional wrestling. We do like a top ten, sometimes my list, his list, and this combined list. Uh, uh, this next episode, we talk about the top ten greatest uh, professional wrestler that never actually got one of the major titles. It's a real good show, and I also talk about a lot of other stuff. You know, I talk about life, things that's happening. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I, as you know, I know Nate. Uh, Jim, I apologize. I don't know you, but it's nice to meet you, you hockey-playing motherfucking expert, you. And, of course, my main man, T.R. Shock, out there, him and I go back. We know what we go back to. It all originated from a podcast, but we're also fans of professional wrestling. But you know what I'm doing? I'm letting the fucking, I'm not letting the business work me. I'm working the business nowadays. And that's the whole thing. And this next episode, um, man, you know what? We talk about every fucking thing. And here it is tonight, Sunday night, we're talking about this. We're experiencing this. We're experiencing that. Well, I'm going to tell you why I'm in such an exciting, good mood when you fucking ask. So thank you, Nate. Thank you, Tom, for having the show. Jim, nice to meet you, you hockey-playing motherfucking expert. <laughs> I like that. 
So, Bobby, do, do me a favor. Do, do me a favor. I, I listen to your podcast, too. Love it. Uh, off the top of your head, can you give us a movie line? A movie line? Shit. You even dream about shooting me, motherfucker. You better wake up and apologize. I'll give you that movie line right there for those more dogs. I'll give you a fucking movie line. I'm going to give you any fucking movie line you want, man. I'm going to tell you that right great. now. You want another movie line? You want another I movie sure line? Do. I'm going to give you a fucking great movie. I'm going to give you a great movie line. Hey, I said, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. That goes for cocksuckers and, and retards. Yeah, that's the sling blade. When, when Doyle goes off. He says it right there. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, that goes for cocksuckers and, and fucking retards. And I'll add another one. Get the fuck out, you bunch of crippled motherfuckers. Get the fuck out of my house. Listen, you know what I get when I get fucking hot? God, it could you little fucking prick. And then that one that one line of that movie, it drives me crazy with that fucking sling blade. Cause I've been there and done that, man. Oh, God, I'm sad to admit. Tom, back me up on this one. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when, when he's sitting there talking, when 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 Carl's in that fucking mental institute, and he's talking, and the other guy's talking to him, and he's talking about picking up that fucking prostitute or hooker, and uh, they go up that little old road and this and that, and she pulls that little, you know, mm-hmm, whatever. You can imagine how bad <laughs> I wanted my twenty-five fucking dollars back. <laughs> 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 I, I love that movie so much. That's such a good movie. <laughs> I think it was shot right here in my neighborhood, right here in Kentucky. I know it's out in Arkansas, but there's a bunch of motherfuckers from that movie Sling Blade right here in this fucking neighborhood. A bunch of fucking cocksuckers, retards, motherfuckers, cripples. They're all fucking here. I don't give a I'm fuck. About, I'm, I'm about two hours south of you, Bobby. I know all about it. <laughs> Where where you at, Jack? Jim? John? Logan. Uh, Nate, I'm fucking, down in Logan. That's Nate. Logan, god damn, that's the... I thought Ashland fucking Kentucky was the armpit of a fucking America. You know what? You fucking might be the mole or the fucking temple or the fucking boil <laughs> on the armpit of fucking America over there in Logan, fucking West Virginia. And then he was saying, oh, uh, West, by God, Virginia, we need to get the fucking pack our bags and get the fuck out of here, Nate. God Let's damn go, man. It. Oh. It's like, 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 a skin tag on your eyelid. Shit, let's all just move okay. to Canada. Fuck. There you know what? Up. Let's just move up, to Canada. Man. Fuck. In Canada, room. you got room up there in Canada for us, please tell me. John, oh, Jim. God, yeah, lots of room. Come on up. Uh, just, uh, I'm I'm about uh, four hours north of Calgary from that great uh, home of the uh, dungeon, the great heart yep. uh, family. So, yeah, lots of room up here for you boys to come up and... Uh, do what well, you brother, want to let do. me tell you, you what, Nate, pack yeah. it up. I'll be up there, Logan. We'll swing through Philly. We'll start <laughs> heading out there. We'll head about, you know, I don't know how many fucking hours it is to uh, where you're at, but here's the deal, man. We'll get the fuck out of here, and we'll have to fucking worry about that Sarah fucking Sanders fucking Happy Meal. Fuck her, that resting bitch face. 
uh, someone buy her a fucking meal, so she'll fucking smile me once in a while. So we're fuck me running backward. I told you I'm a fucking I'm a I'm a spring in a fucking bed that's loose, man. What kind of fucking country fucking will get upset over a bitch getting fucking asked to leave a fucking restaurant and they care more about that than they would more care about fucking children being fucking uh, taken away from and separated from the fucking parents. I hate to separate that bitch from her fucking Happy Meal. Someone buy that fucking resting bitch face cut a fucking Happy Meal, please. Well, Don't give me she, is hotter. she is hotter than them little pricks. <laughs> I think she needs a good hot butt's what she needs. Okay, if someone would right. man up and do it, if someone would man up and uh-huh. fucking do it, that's, that would help her probably. <laughs> yeah, she ain't, she ain't the best looking woman in the world. I don't think the, I don't think the restaurant owner recognized her from, from, uh, the campaign. I think she's just too ugly to be anywhere. Thought she was wild. Uh, uh, how you really feel? <laughs> Is she a two bagger, or would you fucking put a flag over her fucking face and do it for your country? Well, uh, up here we call we I don't know. her a. Uh, we used to have what I'm not sure what the American equivalent is. We used to have the super can. It was about a beer and a half. We would call her as she was a six super can kind of girl. It'd take you at least that many before you'd even think about it. Shit. That hey. Canadian beer strong, by the way. Damn. <laughs> hey, Bobby, yeah, I don't, Bobby, I don't know where I heard this, but somebody made some absolute sense to me while we're talking about beer drinking. For the legal limit of, of being able, you know, to drive safely or whatever, that, up here it's like zero point. Point zero eight, rather, which is like yeah. a beer and a half, two beers, which is kind of, you know, uh, a little bit extreme, but it's a cash grab. Not that I'm endorsing doing such a thing, but um, somebody said the real test would be uh, when you're in a bar with a big old fatty and uh, nasty looking, and the moment you start walking towards her to talk to her, that's when you're over the limit. That's, that should be the, the new breathalyzer. Oh, Fuck. Either that or she has a fucking, uh, you know, seriously, if she has a fucking Adam's apple, at that point you got to fucking say, hey, with that 5 o'clock shadow, if she's that big, fat, and ugly, or she has a fucking Adam's apple and a fucking 5 o'clock shadow, that needs to be the fucking limit, Jack. Do not drive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's when you get your license. Let me say this. Let me say this. If she's that big, fat, and ugly, or she has that five o'clock shadow and had a fucking Adam's apple, and you've done went that fucking far with her, the day's not over. You might as well finish it. (laughs) 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 You put the saddle on the horse, you might as well ride it. There you see, there you see, I go around the fucking world to cross the sidewalk. And in the simplest of terms, right there it is. If you're already on the fucking horse, you might as well ride it. That's all I was saying. Trust me, we we got plenty of horses down here in Logan County that that have been ridden hard and put away wet, so we know all about that. You got any sheep? You got any sheep? <laughs> sheep. Oh, don't touch that one there. That there, she's the sheriff sheep there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, man. <laughs> well, guys, interesting interesting fact here. Uh, I met Bobby through a local wrestling company, All Star Wrestling in Madison, where I do the commentary. And Bobby's uh, Bobby's trained some of the guys that work there, and he's trained a really good friend, uh, Shane Storm. Uh, he was a trainee of Bobby. If you don't mind me asking, Bobby, in case Shane's listening out there, how was he to train, and what, what was it like breaking new guys into the wrestling business, like him and others? And get all serious on me now, Nate, damn it. Shane Shane was just a young boy. He was like 17 to return 18. He'd come down with his, Chris, uh, with his buddy Chris Brown, Chris King, and uh, at the time I was young enough and in shape enough and, 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 and was working enough that when I had a training school, um, it was a real pleasure because I met them at a wrestling show of all places up in West Virginia, right outside Charleston. And they were they were smarter than some of the boys that were on the card, to be honest with you. And then that, that that's a straight shoot. I was we would throw several several shows. I was in between Smoky Mountain Wrestling and in between WCW. And to make a long story even longer, no, just kidding. Uh, to make a long story short, basically, we, I was running CPW, which was Championship Pro Wrestling, and I had this really good little company slash organization where I was using some Smoky Mountain guys, some WCW guys, and guys I'd helped train. And we ran shows in West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio, a tri-state area. And it's no lie, uh, Shane and his buddy Chris and a couple other guys used to come to our shows regularly up in West Virginia. And Shane was actually, at the time, being 17, his buddy being 18, them young guys, they were smarter than the business than some of the guys I was booking on the shows. Now, that's just in the opening two or three matches. I did have good quality shows, I'm not going to lie. But um, he walked by my table one day, and they were, they were running their mouth, blah, blah, blah. Shane was running his mouth. Uh, Shane, if you're listening, you know the story. Shane helped me. Uh, a lot in the last few years. Shane wrote the, the help write the forward to my second book. I kicked out on two. So I have nothing but love and respect for Shane, just so you know that. But he walked by my table, and they had been mouthing during the matches, and I said, so. According to his story, it's one way, but the truth is this. His story is true. Because I said to him, hey, <laughs> you think you can do it, motherfucker? And he looked at me like, what? And here I am. I'm like 235. He's like a butt 35. I'm looking at him. I go, you think you can do it, motherfucker? And he goes, what? And I said, you think you get in a ring and fucking wrestle? And this was back when it was still, you know, it was kayfabe, and it was, you know, and he was like, oh, fuck. You know, I don't think he knew what he got himself into, but I told him, hey, here's the deal. Here's my address. Here's my email, my phone number. Get up with me if you're serious, because they was pretty smart, like I said. And from there, I don't know, a week or two passed, and him and his buddy got a hold of me, and I started training them. And I have to say to this day is my pleasure because they took it very serious. I took them and trained them old school. I had them doing 10 and one, which are Hindu squats and push-ups. I took them to a mat at a gym inside of a facility and took them to the mat. And I didn't hurt them by any means, but I showed them that, you know, this is a very serious business. And um, from there, man, um, you know, so shout out to Shane Storm. He's had a pretty good career. I, I, I would have loved to say I helped Shane more, but I've taken him, you know, backstage to um, Impact, the WWE. I tried to get him booked in Japan. And Shane's a tremendous talent if he is listening. And I'm not saying I have to get over within him or anyone else, but anyone I've ever tried to help or train, man, I want to see them do better than me. You know, I want to see someone fucking succeed in the wrestling business. 
because I have love and respect for the wrestling business. Sports entertainment, that's something completely different. And and I would tell people, you know, nowadays, I still tell them, save your fucking money, man. Go to the fucking performance center. Go to Japan, live in a dojo. Do whatever you got to do. Get trained by a fucking professional. And at the time, when I helped Shane and anyone I've helped along the way, and I still help young people out, get trained professionally. Don't get taken advantage of, you know. And um, so, yeah, it was a great experience and a great time. Um, and, and, and I miss that sometimes, being able to help these young guys out because, you know what, uh, not Shane or his, gener- his generation, but there are a whole group of guys out here right now, and you guys see it all the fucking time. These guys out here today have no clue, no respect for the business. You know why? Because they know it all. They see it on TV, they read it on their fucking Internet, and they think, I don't need to learn because I already know it all. And you know what? I hope the day I die, I'm still learning something about professional wrestling in or outside the ring. So, yeah, that's my answer. So there's your long story longer. <laughs> I want to train you to beat CM Punk, Tom, just so you know. I want to be your corner. I want to be your Mickey. I'll cut you, man. I'll cut you. Tom, please beat CM Punk. I'll tell you what, huh? man. I, 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 that picture came across my timeline, and uh, I don't know, a couple years ago or whatever, and I just noticed that we were both putting a fist up. I said, damn, that's a good storyline. I could probably kick his ass, you know. Um, in my in my prime, I could. I'm I'm a fat no, fuck now, Bob. Man. No, no, I, no. Listen, I want you. I'm a I want, fat hold on. fuck, and I still beat his fucking ass. Fuck <laughs> well, I, him. I, I give him some respect. <laughs> he can be WWE. He can be fucking. He can be uh, Dana White's uh, boy or project or whatever. He could be from Chicago. Tom, you're from Philly. I'm from Nashville. And here's the bottom line. Fuck him. I kick that motherfucker in the face in a heartbeat. (laughs) Luckily for him, it's a fucking work. And he's made his money, saved his money, and blessed his heart. He's got some good pussy and got some money (laughs) and got a career out of it. So good for him. I'm not going to sit here shit on my barium. But, Tom, you know as well as I do, you'd beat his fucking ass. He comes to a bar in Philly, you think he's fucking bellying up with you. You're fucking throwing him out of Ramada on his fucking ear, and you know it. Don't be so modest, Tom. I don't know. I'm a little fat and sweaty these days, but... Um, I'm real but fat what I was gonna... and sweaty. I don't give two shits in a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I want to... I wanted you to re-smart me up because my brain forgets about when you talk about training that young boy with that's Malenko shit with the with the Hindus and the push-ups. Yeah, How's that that works that works down right. You work ten, nine, et cetera, or does it work? Yeah, off? yeah, yeah. Do uh, man, fuck. You need to do you do ten Hindu squats, which are deep knee bends. You bend you bend all the way down. Try to get your ass in the bucket. Bring your hands up. Swing them across your chest. It's a deep knee bend. You do 10 of those, and, and you can do one push-up. You can do regular style, or you can do a Hindu push-up, or what's known as a swinging push-up, where you go through, right. you know. So you do 10 Hindus, one push-up. Nine Hindus, 10 push-ups. Eight Hindus, three push-ups. You work your way down. When you get halfway through, you're sweating, you're fucking breathing hard, 
and halfway through yeah. you're at 55 fucking Hindus because you're doing one Hindu squat and 10 push-ups. That hard set comes right there because now you're going to do one more Hindu and 10 more push-ups. So essentially after doing 55 push-ups, you're doing 20 more. So you're doing 75 straight right there basically. But then you work your way down because you're only halfway through. You've got to go back up the fucking pyramid. It's like Pike's Peak or a fucking pyramid. So now you do that one last Hindu squat, 55, or excuse me, 10 uh, push-ups. Then you start working back. Nine push-ups, two Hindus, eight push-ups, three Hindus, you know, et cetera, until you're finished. And when you're done, you'll have 110 push-ups, 110 deep knee bends or Hindu squats, all within a time of... You know, it depends on first time it's going to take you. It might take you 20 minutes. Don't worry about time right away. The first time I did it, I fucking I thought I was dying on a hat, the hot asphalt down there in Tampa, Florida. And then, you know, you get down to 15 minutes. And then one time I remember breaking, I got like 11 minutes, and I thought, oh, fuck, that's real good. And so, anyway, you get to where you get real good. I eventually got to where I set my own record, but I'm not going to tell you about setting my own record because some of you guys have done it. But what happened one time I was out on Daytona Beach, and I told myself, I said, man, I got trained. I said, you ready to come over to Kentucky? I was going to fly out the next day. Me and one of my buddies, we used to always fucking go to the beach the day before we flew out somewhere. And I said, you know what, man, before I drink some cold beer, and that's a straight shoot, we're going to drink some beer. I said, I better work out, man, or Malenko will kick my ass when I get back. So I said, I'm going to do my <laughs> Hindus and push-ups. I did my Hindu push-ups, my Hindu squats, I've done a full set of 10 ones on Daytona Beach as the sun was setting. It was beautiful, man. I've done them in 7 minutes and 42 seconds, right? I thought, what a great fucking time, man. I finally got them because your goal ultimately, really, if you can do them around 10, between 9 and 11 minutes with 10 being your ultimate, a good time. I've done them in 7.42. Flew out the next day. Of course, drank some beer afterwards, et cetera. Come home, saw my family, blah, blah, blah. Went back to the training camp on Tuesday back to Tampa. So I've been off like four days. And I said to Mr. Malenko, Professor Boris Malenko, the father of, you know, Joe and Dean Malenko, and Dean was a big influence in my life as far as training goes. So the point of my story is this. We're there at training on that fucking Tuesday. And I say to him, I say, Coach, I said, guess what? Because this was on Thursday before I flew out. I said, um, hey, just so you know, Coach, uh, I done my 10 and ones the other day, and I done them in 7:42 because one of the first time I remember doing them under 10 minutes. And we were sitting in metal chairs. Some guys was in the ring working out, and and I and I said that to him, and he stood up and he said, "That's good, kid. That's good. I can do them in five minutes, and I do two sets, and I'm 55 <laughs> years old." And he fucking walked off, and I thought, "You motherfucker." You cocksucker. I was so mad. That's the only time I've probably ever been mad at him in my life. I knew better to say anything. I would never be disrespectful to him as my coach or as a man. And I thought, man, I'm sitting here I, I bragging, but I was just being honest. I'm like, I can do I did them in 742. I did them under 10 minutes. And he said, that's good, kid. But I can do them under five. And I do two sets and walked away. You talk about feeling like a bitch. I felt like a bitch. But you know what happened? 742, though, man, you got good cardio. Eventually, yeah, eventually I did get to where I could do two sets back-to-back with a two-minute break in between, both sets being under 10 minutes. So 220 uh, Hindu squats, 220 push-ups, you know, within about a 20-minute time. And it built your wind up and it got you in shape. But now 
I mentioned that story. I'm glad you mentioned that story, and the reason I mentioned it because, yeah, I was in great shape then, but guess what, guys? I'm in such a good mood. You know why? When I first met Malenko, he was 55 years old. Tomorrow, I'll be 55 fucking years old. Malenko used to say, young men should work out, old men must. And, Tom, if you're impressed with that story, Nate, Jim, here's the bottom line. Old men, I'm the old man now. I should be working out. I shouldn't be fucking drinking beer and doing all the fucking crazy things I am. Still doing a 55. You know what I'm saying? I'm out there fucking doing this and doing that when I should be doing my fucking Hindu squats and push-ups, my 10 of ones. So uh, happy fucking birthday to me, wah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but I never would have thought I'd be 55. So you go back 30 years ago at 25, look what professional wrestling has done for me. It's let me get to meet and know and talk to guys like you guys. And it's been my pleasure. And that's why I say the wrestling business, now I'm working it. It's no longer working me. Because even if I fucking died right this very fucking second live on your fucking podcast, it wouldn't matter. Because to me, it's all been worth it because I got to meet so many good people throughout my wrestling career and get to do these great things because of our love for professional wrestling. Well, happy birthday, son of a bitch. Don't be dying on us. Oh, I have no plan on dying anytime soon. <laughs> unless, unless unless you do unless you do a lawyer gimmick where we can bring you right back. <laughs> no, I have no I have no I have no goals of dying right this second. I mean that's not the fucking plan. You know, I'd like to get another, you know, few years out of this run. Shit. Nah, for real for real. Like Happy I, birthday. I feel man. Like a, thank you very much. I feel like a fucking eighteen year old. Uh do you know any? <laughs> well, I probably couldn't keep up with her uh, So, okay I feel like a 25 year old Just send me two over And I'll pay <laughs> Still waiting on that swingers club in Ashland To call you, right Bobby? <laughs> oh, fuck those cocksuckers They never call me They want to see me They can go to a fucking bar or the store and see me They ain't going to fight me down in a goddamn swingers club Man, anybody, see you. We can't we can't find that damn clip. Does anybody do you got a clip of that your appearance on the on the local news? They you know what, I put a link up here and the last time I put the link up on my Twitter at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, it just shows pictures of the fucking house. They actually took the news clip down, so if anyone out there listening, you can find the news clip, put it back up here. It was W-O-W-K-13 out of uh, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia News, with that fucking Randy Yoey walking over there, this yeah. big fucking bobblehead motherfucker. Hey, let me ask you this. No, Randy, you can't suck my dick. What do you want to fucking ask me? You know? Top sucker. Oh, he wants to ask me. He don't want to ask me why I'm shopping there or when I fucking, why am I there playing a lottery. I, I heard there's a winner club in Ashland. Of course, he got everyone's fucking modest fucking uh, Christian and, 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 and modest fucking views and, and their, their fucking conservative views. And he comes across me, and of course, I'm going to give my fucking left-wing liberal fucking 
uh, here's your real fucking view. The problem's this. They need to have a fucking horse dick, horse swinging cock motherfucker down there swinging dick with them bitches. Put me on the fucking news and have them call me and I'm going to fucking fuck you. But you know what? Fuck those bitches down at the swingers' house because I fucked most of them when I was back in high school anyway. And who the fuck wants to fuck their 55-year-old ass? When I'm 55 years old, I want to be out there fucking a little 25-year-old still. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I hear that. Jim, Jim's probably confused as can be. <laughs> I'm just translating this all into Canadian. <laughs> In Canadian, that means what? What's the conversion on that? A hundred equals seventy-five. Well, yeah. So if you convert a fucking 55-year-old to 25, yeah, that still equals about a 20-fucking-year-old. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're sitting there. We'll, we'll send you two 27-and-a-half-year-olds. Fucking ain't right, Jack. Hey, hey, hey. Give me some fucking loose head dry, two 27-and-a-half-year-olds, a half a fucking black, some hash. Send me, I don't give a fuck. Send it to me. I'll fuck them. If I can't fuck them, I'll at least watch them. Well, no, you got to come up here now because now pot's even legal here everywhere in this in our fine country. Yeah, I sent out that tweet the other day. Congratulations to you! You live in a fucking much smarter country than we border, do. Border to border, We're slowly but surely getting city, little states by little states. You know, saying, "Oh yeah, legalize it." Well, at least Canada nationwide legalizing it. Good for you. Hats off. Fucking have another. I got, I got the. I've been chilling out lately, Bob. I mean, I'll drink like once a month or so, but um, I, I, I've been looking to get into this company, right? And they got drug tests and all that. Not that I'm a regular doer of anything. It just kind of comes and goes, you know what I mean? But sure. um, I passed, I passed the piss test. I know that for a fact, so I'm happy as shit. Um, that answer, who the fuck cares? But I passed that, and I'll find that this week. But knock on wood, I'm going to end up a teamster in a, in a good union and shit like that. So awesome, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I wish I could do something like that. Now I I, I pass it. I pass a test regularly. I get my honestly, I get my I get tested about every other month where I'm at. Um, I'll get ready to do my blood work July 13th. Honestly, I get my liver checked. My mom passed away seven years ago. Um, uh, she never was a drinker. Obviously, I am, but she never had a drink in her life. And she died because she had some kind of instant state liver cancer. Stay real fucked up, weird, real, real weird. But the doctor suggested that my brother and I get our liver sh- sh- tested. He's not a drinker. Again, obviously, I am. I'm not a connoisseur. I would love to say I'd love to get high. I think it's better for you than fucking alcohol, but I don't because of the fact I do get drug tested. I don't, but I do get my blood work. I'm having that done July 13th. I just had, just so you know, if you, if you listen to my podcast, the Bell to Bell at Bobby Blaze or Bob, Bell to Bell with uh, Bobby Blaze, um, I had a colonoscopy uh, just a few weeks ago, and you talk about getting ass fucked. I got ass fucked. Luckily, all that came back clear. I'm happy about that. My liver enzymes are all good for someone that consumes alcohol, but I would be an advocate uh, of a um, uh, legalization of marijuana. But good for you passing your test, 
but I do wish they legalize it because it probably is safer than alcohol. But obviously, I'm a consumer of alcohol. Unfortunately, I do not consume marijuana, but I am an advocate of the legalization of marijuana because I I think it really does have health benefits. I think it is safer, a safer alternative to a lot of shit that's out there nowadays. And uh, and my hats off to Canada for fucking legalizing it. And, and Tom, hats off to you that you're getting something good going with maybe the Teamsters and, and a union job, et cetera. Um, you know, man, I wish I could do that. Uh, that I admire you. I do. Um, and I mean that sincerely. All joking aside, if you got that opportunity, brother, keep passing those tests. You keep your eyes fucking down. You fucking mop that floor. You clean that toilet. You do what you got to fucking do. And at the end of the fucking week, go collect your fucking paycheck. Because, brother, it's all worth it when you do that. Yeah, thank you, man. And, uh, you know, it's not 100%, but it's about 98.99. And, and you know I'm a dumb fuck with the computers. You remember that, right, Bob? Mm, mm. No comment. I had these. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I knew I Nate was these... the one fucking texting me tonight. yeah i I had these two boys it's tim not jim but i i I popped when you kept calling him jim so i didn't correct you but it's wait a minute are you just now smart me uh 45 minutes into the fucking podcast you're telling me it's tim not jim it was okay man i was all right with it See this, Tom? Here's here's the kindness of those fucking Canadians. You call them the wrong fucking name, they're still like, yeah. And they tell you the fucking story, and then you finally hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hi, Tim. How are you? Nice to meet you, Tim. Sorry. No disrespect, <laughs> man. Sorry sir. I called you Jim. Okay. I'm going to call you Tim. <laughs> All right, proceed, Tom. Tom. <laughs> it was it was Tim and Tim and Nate because I couldn't even shrink my resume because I don't know nothing about that shit. And them boys helped me out, so I got to give them props for you know if and when I get it. Should be this right week, on, I should know, but it's looking good, brother. Rose before holes, my friend. Yeah. I'm about dumb holes. as a motherfucker too, man. I, I'm I'm probably the smartest. I'm probably the most educated, dumbest fucking smart person you'll ever fucking meet in your life. So. Tim, Nate, thank you for helping out my man Tom because I got to get all the names right. God damn, you got a list longer than a fucking seven dwarfs there. But, Tim and Nate, thanks for helping Tom. And this is Bobby saying, I wish you fucking luck. God damn. Got it out, brother. Yeah. Uh, we actually just got a phone call. Uh Okay. Bobby, you cool with taking a, if we take a phone call here? Is that cool with you? It's your fucking show. Listen, if you're out there listening right now, you know what? It's your show. It's Wide Men Can't Jump. I'm just honored to be on with Nate and Tom and Tim. boy. <laughs> well, we're joined right now by our good buddy Lou. What's up, Lou? Uh, thanks a lot, fellas. What's up, Lou? It's What's been going a on? Very, uh, it's been a very strange week. Who the fuck's Lou? You see the bar? <laughs> your name on the bar outside? That's the, my name. <laughs> it's my bar. I'm Lou. <laughs> right. Fight Club. <laughs> Lou, this is our buddy Bobby Blaze, former WCW yeah. star and Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion. Wow. Yeah. Hi, Lou. Nice to meet you, sir. It's been a long time since I followed wrestling, though. 
But uh, my nephew, my nephew uh, follows wrestling uh, rather closely. Yeah, but Lou, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, but uh, you said you used to watch it back in the day, right? Right. Uh, you know Rowdy Roddy Piper, Ric Flair. Oh, of course. Bob, Bobby Bobby worked with those guys um, a couple times. I you, think uh, I recall you've probably that. Seen, you've probably seen him on uh, on WWE TV, or back then mm-hmm. it was WWF. Right. And, uh, you know, we we usually do, you know, we do the hoops on Wednesday, but Sunday we just talk about whatever the hell's going on. So what's on your mind, brother? Oh, good, good. Well, um, well wait, what time was the Wednesday show, by the way? When do we go? We on normally eight? go at eight o'clock, Eastern. Oh, uh, I'm tied up with another show at that time. But if I am available, I will gladly call. So anyway, uh, there's been a lot of um, been a lot of trade rumors uh, though in the NBA though this past week, and um, one also considering uh, Kawani Leonard. Do you think he's going to stay with the Spurs, or is he packing his bags and going elsewhere? Who wants their Who wants the answer first? I think he's going east. Um, somebody's going to take a chance on him to try to, to get something for him and try to convince him to stay, whether it be uh, Boston has more assets, but Philly has more picks, and Philly acquiring that pick from Miami in 2021 uh, that they got from uh, Phoenix that Phoenix owned, I think that's going to be what they use to try to lure Kawhi Leonard to Philly to get him to be um, a member of their roster, and they try to keep him to stay with that young core. That's my opinion on it. So you're saying the Knicks uh, have a prayer in hell? The Knicks? Uh, yeah, they right. have a prayer. They could offer me a contract, and I'd probably have to talk about it with somebody. Like That's uh, how bad that situation Bobby, is up there. Bobby, you still following NBA? Yeah, you know what? I think Philly's a good – I think if he got if he uh, Leonard goes to Philly, I think that's a good fit. I think that uh, the Knicks, um, you know, like you said, man, I think you're still fucking negotiating that, man. I mean, that that who knows what the fuck's going on there. I, I love the NBA, but um, yeah, I, I do think he's gone from the Spurs. I think Philly's a good fit, and that's just my two cents because I'm an old school Philly fan. Uh, that was my favorite all time basketball team back in the day, and I still follow them. Um, and I, I, I follow them and, and the Washington Bulls, the former, you know, well, fucking Washington Wizards, Wizards or whatever. But uh, but anyway, last few years I've got to enjoy some good basketball watching Golden State. But yeah, I think uh, I think Leonard's gone, man. I think he's heading east. Where I don't know, but but I do think Philly's a good fit, and that's just my two cents. What about you, Tim? That is not an expert opinion. Tim, like Nate or Tom would give you. That's just my opinion. I don't think Tim even knows who Kawhi Leonard is, T.R. <laughs> well, uh, Lou, to answer you, I, I think our, our crazy-ass uh, coach, Brett Brown, wants him probably more personally than he wants LeBron James because he's got that history with San Antonio, but I don't want crazy-ass Kawhi Leonard and crazy-ass Markel Fultz on the same team. They both have these mystery male friends that (laughs) took them out the whole goddamn season last year and got, you know, I I think they're fucking dick, truthfully. I don't want them. (laughs) Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, I don't want him. You don't want him. Gay. Sorry, boys. I was on nah, news there for a minute. I have no I idea where he's going. Right. In that case. I have no idea where he's going, but I think this is much more exciting. Yeah. That's uh, that's an inter- uh, man. That's interesting to even say that. But you know what? Uh, fuck. Wow. All these motherfuckers are turning gay, Bobby. I'm telling you, man. Markel Folks, he's got this yeah, family friend. All of a sudden, he don't know how to, sh- to shoot. He ain't playing in 68 games. Kawhi Leonard says out the whole year he's got this male uncle, allegedly. <laughs> I don't trust neither of them motherfuckers. Wow. I'm serious. Neither do I. That's, that's my opinion, Lou. What do you, where do you think he's going? Well, rumor has it that he is going with the... Um... Preferably to LA, preferably the Lakers or Clippers. That yeah, was the original. That's where report. he's from. Yeah. The uh, well, report is the, the Lakers. The Lakers contacted the Spurs for the trade, and that the Spurs have no interest in sending Kawhi Leonard to a Western Conference team. They would rather him mm-hmm. walk next season than to trade him to a Western Conference team, which I think is a little absurd. If you're the Spurs, you got to implode that roster a little bit. You've only really got Lamarcus Aldridge. Ginobili's getting old. Parker's probably done. Uh, you, you got Pau Gasol. He's on his last leg. Your best bet would be to just go ahead, keep Aldridge, build around him, let uh, let these older guys go, trade Kawhi, get some young assets, and try to rebuild from there. That's just me, though. Uh, you I, know, I can agree with that. That's interesting. Um because of what you said about the West Coast, I think you're probably right about that. But, you know, dude, he he said out the whole year he's 20 fucking six years old, 26, 27, yeah. something like that. But, man, um, I, to, to not – and I used to like the Spurs because I know, you know, uh, Popovich. I mean, I don't know him, obviously. I just mean as a, you know, as a fan right, right. Uh, of the NBA, I'm just saying – uh, and of course, you got your general managers and, and all those people making those decisions. But, but my opinion is just that. My opinion. Okay, so I can see them not wanting him go to a Leonard going to a West Coast team. I understand that, and I do think you know Parker and 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 Paul and those guys. They're getting older. They need to build around a younger guys. And if, if that means letting him go, I just. Tom, I, I don't know because you obviously know something I don't know about these younger guys that you mentioned. But dude, when you got a guy 26 year old, he don't want to be there, and he said out a whole fucking season, let him go. I don't care if he goes to the Philly or Knicks or who the fuck he goes to or whatever. But damn, man, you're talking about guys. You're as a professional athlete, you have such a short window of opportunity to make that money and be a star. So let the guy go and then build off the younger guys, as Nate was saying there. Yeah, I agree the way. There, there doesn't seem to be no happy future in San Antonio with those those guys. No. Well, they, well, he said that he didn't feel he was being treated fairly after the way he handled they handled his injury. Right. Um, I can't he, say I blame he, him. He, he, well, it was his, it was his quad, and like I said, he's got. He don't say nothing to the media. And, and granted, I, I'm not, like, shitting on him because two years ago he was top three player in the NBA and looked like he was on the rise. Then that big dumb fuck on Golden State uh, 
jumped on him and broke his ankle or whatever the fuck he did. Oh, yeah. He he ain't played since except for I think he played in four or five games this season when they pressured him to come out. And then he, yeah, he took himself nine back out. Something like that. Nine or ten. Yeah, There's less and than ten games. So, it's just, just my opinion, but when you got a guy who's questionable in the brain and was a top three talent, but all of a sudden he ain't did shit since the championship of 2016, at, or the, the conference final, rather. And now all of a sudden he's just going to pop up somewhere and be your be your franchise? I don't know, man. When people don't no. have to sit out that long, no, I it can't, takes them a lot to get I wouldn't say he'll be going. their franchise. You're right. I don't know if he'll be someone's franchise, but damn. I want to go back to that one thing you said about them young guys possibly being gay, you know, because I don't want to emphasize just the gay aspect of it, but who else did you mention, and, and, and what's your feeling about that? I mean, do you think it's time that some of these guys, I know it's a bit off base maybe, some of these guys are coming out or not in the NBA? Actually, it's half tongue-in-cheek, no pun intended with the tongue reference, but um, right. a, fr- a, a friend of mine said that he legit thinks uh, and he has ways of knowing these things that that faults and that family friend are a little bit weird. Uh, well, now it's yeah. acceptable, so gay, I'll just say. Uh, so it's okay. all alleged. Right. But but when he spent time with this family friend and not the Sixers training them how to shoot, all of a sudden he forgot how to shoot, and he got this fucked up mystery injury called a, a imbalance of his shoulder, and he missed 68 games as the number one pick overall. So yeah. I just see similar qualities with Kawhi Leonard, except Kawhi's obviously a way better player. But um, I just don't want two nuts on one team. No, I understand. Uh, I'm just speaking uh, and asking from a human being aspect. Um, I'm pretty open person as far as whatever people want to do or be or whatever. I, I'm just curious, you know, because you brought that up. Um, no judgment <laughs> whatsoever. I'm just like, do you, I guess I was taking a question in another direction. Is you know, do you, obviously uh, I can't think of the guy's name that came out for Washington, Jason something, Stephen, a few Collins. years ago. Collins, yeah, thank you. Jason. Uh, there's been those, we know there's a couple clauses of guys in the NFL, um, and then, uh, you know, they've been guys that have been drafted. I'm just going on a different, maybe on not a, not to go off on a different tangent and be real serious about life itself. You know, do you think it's, you think that's going to happen in the NBA, that someone's going to come out openly more and more? Um, uh, or and you just don't want them in the NBA, or do you just don't want them on the same team? Or I just find it interesting. I'm fascinated by that. And um, I, hey, that's I, that just blows me away that you're talking about it. I, I'm really, I really respect you bringing it up and talking about it, man. And I'm fascinated that 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 there is a possibility that that's what's going on. That's all. Well, you know. You know where there's smoke, there's fire, and I've seen his latest, well, yeah. it might not be his latest, but somebody retweeted something from Fultz like two days ago, and he put, um, my bride, or something like that, or I'm married, or some shit, and you see, he he just has a basketball in his car in the, in the, in the passenger seat. He's out in L.A., and there's no signs of him out in the clubs with the other dudes getting pussy. You yeah. know, and 
I hate to break it down. I'm supposed to be a quote analyst, and I just talk shit on Sunday, so I'm talking street language. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I, res- I appreciate you know. that. I, I'm, I'm getting educated. I appreciate it. I mean, it, it could be just uh, you know an alleged thing that has nothing to do with it, and it could be just coincidence that he does these strange things, but. I don't know, man. He once the guy pointed it out, I started looking at my old DVR games when he don't be on the bench, and he's just he does look a little uh, different than the than the rest of the team. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> I always figured what it would take for uh, for it to finally break through is it just needs to be a star. If the right guy comes along, who's a good player, who the uh, people are willing to. Uh, even if they're not pro-gay, because the guy's so good. Uh, that, that's all it'll take, and it won't matter what sport it happens in. If the right yeah. if the right person comes along who's a good enough player that he can take the heat because he delivers the bucks and the wins or however you want to look at it from the business side of the thing, that's all it'll uh-huh. take. And, it, and I don't think it's going to be that much longer either. Sooner or later, I, somebody I will. will... I don't think it's going to be that much longer. I don't know who... I don't know if it's in when we spoke about this evening, and, and I don't know when, but I do think it will be soon, and I think you're right about that. It will have to be a big star, but I do think as society as a whole, we have become so desensitized towards that uh, that, you know, it's just a matter of time, and I think it's sooner than later. Yeah, I'm not really sure that, I'm that really anybody really... I'm human being, to be honest. I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm really sure that anybody really cares that much anymore. I think the yeah, media I has really. I don't know. I think me, the media has really blown that out of. I mean, they ran with it when they wanted to, and now it's become yeah. the thing to kind of run with. But if uh, I don't know, pick your sport. If uh, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers came out as gay tomorrow morning. Um, I don't see him getting a run out of Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I well, he lost much Olivia Munn, and I don't, I don't know how you give up uh-huh. after Olivia Munn, but hey. Whatever. No, but, well, I'm just picking a name that, of, of somebody that's good. You know, he doesn't play with no I went from being serious to being fucking around. No, I agree. I think you can pick your sport, pick your major athlete or star of that sport. It's just a matter of time that one of those guys that are big fucking money players, yeah. again, pick your sport. He doesn't perform. Um, it's going to be acceptable, you know. If he doesn't perform this year, his ass is off my fantasy football team. I've had it with his well, ass. That might be, but, year I yeah. or, or it might even be, too, somebody comes out of college um, as, like, the, you know, the, the Heisman winner, and he's the number one pick in the draft, and he comes out as gay right from the get-go. And everybody knows it, before he even gets to the redo, They'd have to redo the trophy, though, man, and have his uh, wrist with a little limp and whatnot. Well, okay. Well, let's, not, let's that's yeah. yeah, that's so good. Doesn't matter, man. I was waiting for that. Yeah. There we you go. Know, I'm glad you're still here, Lou. I didn't hear you for a minute. I mean, go, go into the wrestling world and make uh, – I mean, I don't know who it would be mm. now because the wrestling world's a little bit different now. But if uh, – yeah. You know, in the 80s, if Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair would have come out as gay, well, how long mm-hmm. would it have been before nobody cared? Like, it just, you couldn't pass up mm-hmm. the talent for the gay part of it, and sooner or later, it would just become part of the of the thing. Exactly. Well, well, I agree, uh, but, but but Hogan Hogan's on tape 
fucking that hot ass Heather okay, Clem well, was Bubba's wife. Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to go with somebody who whose wrestling power would would outweigh the gayness if there was any negative backlash on that end. Outweigh the gayness. <laughs> we don't know what else to call it. I mean, I still, I still I don't know. I was watching big tan, big titty blonde fuck, and it was Hulk Hogan. You know, um, yeah. I think prior to here recently. Uh, in professional wrestling, uh, obviously there's been a lot of people that have come out uh, through the years. If you go back to those times, though, like if they would have came out in the 80s or even early 90s or whatever, uh, I don't know until what year, but I think that it, I think it speaks for itself because there's been a couple guys that have come out as either gay or bisexual, and sadly enough, um, and I will be very serious for a second, sadly enough, one of them has killed herself and the other has killed her career. Um, so I don't know that, yeah. you know, if you, and, and there's people that work in offices there, and, and there's, you know, hush-hush, and, and let's you know, use the word kayfabe that so-and-so's, you know, bi or gay or whatever, but until someone came out and said that, um, it was still so kayfabe, so I... I'm not defending professional wrestling because I, I think it's just like anything else, and, 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 I, and I hate using the word sports entertainment together, but professional wrestling being a sport in one aspect and entertainment in the other, how many people in entertainment do we know from, from you know New York to Los Angeles that are gay? So, again, not defending professional wrestling by any means. I'm just saying that I think right. – that even in wrestling, just like the NBA, or or pick your sport as you said, whether it be NHL or or NFL or Major League Baseball or what have you, it's going to take a major star or a major money maker producer uh, to come out before everyone uh, does the entire oh it's okay or we're acceptable or whatever. In the meantime, sadly. People are going to stay in the closet in professional wrestling, knowing they're going to kill their career, or they're going to sadly uh, commit suicide or, or uh, leave the business completely. Or what was the big guy from the NFL? And I don't—I honestly didn't think he was good enough with Sam. Michael Sam. Another the big guy. Yeah, Michael Sam's a few years ago. He tried. I don't think it's based on his gay and being gay. I just think it was based on his talent. You know. Years ago, yeah. I watched a TV show, and I didn't find this TV show funny in the least. And that was the Ellen DeGeneres show back in the 90s and before she came out. And I was like, right. well, she's not funny to me as a comedian, okay? I didn't like her. Um, and, and So I didn't like her show. And I was speaking with two females at the time. And when she came out, and I was at the gym, and I'm, I'm like, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't care if she's gay or not. To me, she's not funny, so I don't give a fuck. And, of course, she's a right. great success. Now, it's not a knock towards her. I'm just saying, if to me, at that point, it didn't matter to me if she was or she wasn't. The same thing would be in NFL, NBA, NHL, pro wrestling, or whatever. If I don't think the person is good or championship material or worthy or whatever, I don't give a fuck anyway. You know, so... Um, and that's and just why me. I'm just saying there's other people that, that, that may say the same thing. Unless they're a big fucking star, money drawer, impact, if they're not a good player, uh, what did you say? Collins was that his name uh, earlier. We talked about the NBA guy. If, if you're just not that good, you don't deserve to be there, then, then, then no. fuck, it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, black, white, uh, 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 
from Europe. Europe produces some great players or whatever, but if you're not producing money and putting ass in the seats and selling tickets, whether it's wrestling or baseball or basketball, hockey, whatever, uh, movie theaters, whatever, no one gives a fuck mm-hmm. because you're not making them money. You know, they don't care what your fucking sexuality is. If you're making the money, yeah. then they might change their opinion, you know? It's a business. Well, with Tim, with Tim yeah, exactly. if it was a hockey Tim, if it was a hockey player, he technically wouldn't come out of the closet. He'd come out of the penalty box, wouldn't he? I'm sorry. <laughs> Cheer me out up, the, Nate. Thank you, sir. Out of the dressing room. You're welcome. Yeah. Plus, they don't have no teeth, so it'd be easier to get head. But anyway. Oh, shit. <laughs> Man, I've been out of bonus. <laughs> Tom's just I take all these. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, all... I'd have to say, uh, of the sports, probably hockey is probably... As much as on the surface you may not think that that would be the sport to go with, I think yes. that might actually be, I think that might actually be where the first big star uh, comes out. Well, they're all good at handling sticks. <laughs> Here we go, oh boy! Really. Oh my God! Uh-huh. <laughs> no, just in Canada, no one no one would care. It really wouldn't be a big story here. It would be oh, that guy's no. gay. <laughs> all right. It probably, you, probably you think so for real? What's that? Tim, I was just saying, do you really think so that if, if in Canada, if a if a major hockey star, not just a player or someone trying to make the roster or what have you, uh, are you saying that you think in Canada that if a NF, NF, NHL player actually came out that most Canadians would just say, okay, whatever, and move yep. on or not? It, it would be news for about two Way weeks. Way in Canada. Yeah, it would be news for two weeks, and it would be, oh, well, the guy's gay. Right. I, I like that. What, what do we care? That makes me love Canada even yeah. more. Yeah. What, what so do we care? Does, can he, does he play hockey? Does he still play hockey good? Excellent. I want him on my team then. What do I care what he does? That's I true. like that attitude. I, yeah, I, I, I don't Tom, care. Nate, it doesn't matter. If you, Tom, Nate, and whoever the guest was there earlier that spoke up, I ha- Tim, I like that attitude. I, I, I'm pretty open-minded. Um, and you know what? That's the whole bottom line. Is he still producing? Is he still a good player? Well, okay. Who gives a fuck what he does in his personal yeah, life? Yeah, I just I don't see any right. more than than if he was a hetero or if he was a guy and he was a guy who liked to you know sleep around with ten different chicks. What he does is at the same the time is, is none of my well whatever, but <laughs> none of my concern what he does. I don't I don't care. Yeah. I like you know, it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. enter into my. I buy a ticket to the games to see see my right. team win, and as long as he right performs on. on the ice, what do I care? I don't. I, I really don't I like right. that attitude. Uh, and, and again, Tom Nate, no disrespect to you guys, because I'm not trying to disagree with you, but I like that attitude better. That's more me. I'm so open-minded. I don't give a fuck what the guy does off the court, as long as he's not hurting anyone else. You know, hurting or harming a child, or or raping or molesting someone, or or abusing someone. You know, I don't care what the fucking person does to a personal life. As long as you're yeah. on the court, on the field, on the fucking uh, in the rink, whatever, on the TV screen, movie screen. If you're producing, and I'm a fan of yours, your sexuality is probably not going to change my opinion as to how I think about you as an athlete or an actor or a performer. Oh yeah, I mean. That's, that's how Tom me. and I are. That's how Tom and I are. We, we, I think that's pretty much everybody nowadays, except for your, 
there's a handful of people that may not like it, but for most most of us, it, it doesn't really matter. Like whoever comes out or says this or says that, you know what? If if you're comf- if it makes you more comfortable in your skin, and it doesn't matter. As long as you're yeah. happy and you're doing what you do, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. I have no disrespect. No disrespect. Well, guys, I hate to cut it short, but uh, I have another show I got to take care of, so if I have time again next week, I'll call back. All right, my brother. All right. Thanks, Thanks for jumping on, Lou. All right, Lou. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Lou didn't know what he was getting into tonight. No, he yeah. didn't. Uh, he- come on, then we'd have something he going. He stuck his fucking arm in a, ba- a bag of rattlesnakes, didn't he? Uh, he thought <laughs> it was NBA night. He was expecting he uh, NBA Rob, night was the wrong fucking night. Bob, me and Nate were just fucking around. I don't, I don't care either. Um, in fact, no, I know we nice. talked before, Tom. I know you're open-minded too, man. Some nights we have a, a, a friend of mine who used to go as Danny, and when we did stand-up together, now he's going by Karen because he's uh, transitioning or what have you. And uh, so we're we're friendly to all. I just bust balls a lot, you know what I mean? But it's the easy, cheap pop. No, no, I know. You know what, too? And I, and I know we're out here entertaining too. people and we're having a good time, but, you know, personally – I know people that are trans. I know people that are gay. I know people that are straight. And, and I try to fit in with everyone. And there's no one, they're not bothering me. No one's, you know, I'm not bothering them. So uh, I try to be open-minded, man, because we, to me, I'm thinking, you've got this great big fucking earth, this planet earth, God's green earth, if you will, and you're going to worry about one other fucking person. If they're not bothering you, they're not trying to ass fuck you or throat fuck you. You know what? I don't give a fuck. Go live your life, man. Entertain, be a wrestler, be a hockey player, be a fucking basketball, baseball, football player. Do whatever the fuck you want, man, because if you, and again, I'm going to be 55 tomorrow. If I live to be a fucking hundred, do you realize how fucking short that is on this fucking planet? It's a short amount of time to be concerned about how to fuck someone else lives their life. So long as they're not hurting someone else, especially a child, you know, that's my deal. I know. Like they say, this isn't no dress rehearsal. This is life. (laughs) You're one shot. No doubt. Well, Bobby, with it being your your birthday tomorrow, and um, Tom Tom and I and Tim were all gonna, we're going to discuss this, and this I don't want to bring the mood down. If I do, I apologize. But uh, we're kind of going to celebrate a little bit the life because if you had a life on planet Earth, it deserves to be celebrated. If you're a good person, do you have any memories, stories, anecdotes, anything about uh, Big Van Vader, Leon White? I, I I knew that's where you're heading, and and you know what? I never met him. All all the stories that I heard are just secondhand and and thirdhand and stuff I've read. Um, I really thought, and I I know it's going to sound. I don't want to sound off color with this, by any means. Um, I'm saddened 
that another professional wrestler has passed away at a, such a young age because, you know, that's just six years difference between me and him. Uh, and we know others have passed away prior to that, you know, under 50. How many guys have died under 50, you know? So I, what I was going to say is this, is I hate that he's such a young person at 61 to have passed away. But um, being in a wrestling business, I know this is going to sound goofy. I don't have any stories other than, again, they're all secondhand, stuff I read, heard, people just work with them, et cetera. But the thing is, honestly, for the last two years, and he come right out and said, you know, he thought he had like two years left, that he's going to do this and do that. There were pictures on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever you follow of his open heart surgery. All this. I, I, you know what? I really thought it was a fucking work. <laughs> I know it's sad to think, but that's how fucking bad it gets in this business sometimes. I wanted to believe that when he announced that he had, um, you know, some, some major heart problems, and that he was going to eventually have to have heart surgery and all those things, um, I really thought, you know, what a fucking work. Um, what a great way to fucking make some money uh, really quick by saying that. And uh, sadly, uh, happily, you know, hopefully he's in a peaceful place, but sadly that our business or the wrestling business is so sick that we think that when someone says they have congestive heart failure, I have a heart or bad heart, I'm going to die within two years, that we think it's a fucking work. But that's the hardening of our business. And I really thought, I thought, this fucking guy's working people so he can get appearances and make money. And, and am I apologetic for that? No. That's just the way the business has hardened me up over the years. But um, am I saddened that, you know, he's passed away at such a young age? Certainly. I hate to see anyone um, uh pass away uh, at such, you know, at 61, you think, well, that's, that, that might be old. Well, it's not that uh, fucking old, you know. It really isn't. Um, but he was a big, strong man. He had a great fucking career. And I, I'm just kind of sad that I thought to myself, and, and, I, and I teased around and joked around with a couple of buddies that were in the wrestling business that were under the same impression of myself was, you know what, he's just working people. And uh, sadly, that's what I thought, but even more sadder is this. The answer is no, I don't have any stories other than secondhand stuff other than I'm sad that the fucking guy's died, man. That that That's sad. It hurts my heart, no pun intended, that someone has passed away in the wrestling business again, So you know, suddenly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's all. Well, you know, Bobby, honestly, I I I thought the same thing as you because, <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I'm not sad? trying to sound like a jerk. I'm not trying to sound like a jerk. But no, no, no. We... I wasn't trying to sound like a jerk or an asshole either. Oh, I know. I, I wasn't. Know. I meant that sincerely. I thought yeah, that. It's a, it's a, we're taught, anybody that's in the business, whether you're an announcer, commentator, wrestler, referee, anybody, even half the fans now, we're taught not to believe what we're told with pro wrestling and from pro wrestlers and how many guys now, do you see that are out on the road or, you know, former stars of the past that are still working? They're still at least working people, trying to get people to to buy in, you know, whether it's to make a buck or maybe they just try to keep kayfabe or things like that. And, yeah. you know, you just kind of talk, and it was such disheartening news, you don't want to believe it. You want to be like, oh, well, hopefully yeah. he's just working. You know, you don't want to hear maybe that from that somebody. Maybe Maybe I didn't want to believe, but you know what? I was yeah. taught when Blanco told me a long time ago, and that was this. 
believe nothing you hear and only half of what you see. And so I, I probably didn't even want to believe it, to be honest. Maybe that's, maybe that's the best answer is that, Nate, is, is yeah. the fact of, you know what, fuck it. I didn't want to believe it. It's just the work, you know. Yeah, maybe I, that's I didn't the want to. best way to say it. No, I didn't want uh, to either, but then when it, when it happened, I was very upset because I was always a big fan of Vader and always liked everything. I have no personal stories with him. I never got to meet him. I've uh, always heard he was a gentle giant. Um, Tom, Tim, either you guys ever meet Vader, have a run-in with him or anything? I never met him. But he scared the shit out of me in the ring. I used to think yeah, when was, I was younger that that, that motherfucker was going to kill somebody. Because you know, he was a stiff fucker. So does his, so his opponent. <laughs> yeah, well, he used he literally used to scare the shit out of me. That guy is going to fuck, he's going to kill that motherfucker. Look at him. He means business in there. And I loved him. I loved watching him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I, when I was breaking in, I remember he was over in Japan. There were some Japanese guys got Malenko's. And, um, you know, I was talking to them. They had the magazines. We used to watch the tapes and stuff. And I was thinking, oh, my God, this guy's just fucking killing people. You know, I, yeah. I really did believe. His shit looked believable, and I think the person worked with him realized this shit is believable because he <laughs> he's not holding back too much. Yeah, didn't look like it. Well, I I know a little. I I, I spent one, a couple hours with him in a bar one night, just me and him. Um, all we talked was uh, Colorado football, college football in general, but um, I. I had a job down by the airport, and it was a frequent stop, this one little spot afterward. And random nights, the boys would be coming through for, like, weird shows, not like the advertised Philly shows, like the Scrantons and the Hershey's and all that shit. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'd just turn up, you know, just randomly. None of the boys were in there, but Vader was in there, and... uh you know, I, I kind of separated from my work crew because I wanted to rap with him, and we just we just talked football. I, I, I didn't even mention the wrestling thing at all, you know what I mean, uh, because he seemed so comfortable talking about football. He was actually, in a way, delighted to talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I just said, fuck it, I ain't going to mention that I'm involved with wrestling at all. I just left it at that. I think... I think I bought him a beer and he bought me one or some shit like that. He introduced himself as Leon, not not Vader, not gimmicked or nothing. And uh, that's it. That and go ahead. No, I was saying that's, that's interesting. I think so many people in the business respect that more, probably Tom. I, I, that that's really interesting, man. You got to spend that time like that. That that's good. Yeah, he was real. I I, I guess it's I don't know how many kids he's got, but. The one son broke the news on his Twitter, and he was really high on him because I, I might be fucking up, and my, my two fact-checkers there get everything pretty quick. But Leon played for Colorado, I believe, and Correct. his son, I think, went to Colorado State and played, but I, I might be wrong. Um, yeah, I believe his we son were went to Colorado about his, State. We were talking no, about his son. His son played for the University of Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, is he I believe sons? Vader. He he's was a member. Of, was, we might. Yeah, he's got two sons, so. Um, we might he was a member of the. He, he was on the Rams, the I believe, the Los, Los Angeles Rams. 
Yeah, that's. Did you hear that story, Bobby? How he how he broke in? No, I didn't actually. I, I knew he had an injury, and and I did, but I didn't actually know how he broke in. Well, I knew he had an injury that was like career ending for the NFL, but I didn't know. I knew he got a start of like baby boy or big boy or something with uh, the old AWA, but I, I don't recall ever him being trained or how he broke in. So please smart me up. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, he was uh he was playing for the Rams and and got hurt. He was like, you know, second string type, but but you know made the roster and made it further than a lot of, you know, other a lot of the boys urban legends that they played in the NFL when they really got cut in training camp and shit, you know. But he yeah. actually, he was on the L.A. Rams, and claims he claimed, I forget who he was talking to. Maybe it was a Jim Ross type of deal, but he was telling the whole story and how he got smartened up and he was pretty humble when he was uh explaining it. He said that he he ha- he had like a ridiculous military press strength like 500 pounds, some kind of Kempatera level shit, you know what I mean? And uh he said he's big. Uh he he went to an AWA show and just he he said he wore cowboy boots and he you know he's already a little bit tall and they give you an extra inch or two or whatever, and he's jacked and you know, professional football player, and he figured he'd be welcome with open arms and he just walked right in the dress room and said who do I talk to about wrestling, and that was when Brody and Hanson were there, and Brody oh, said who the fuck yeah. are you? Yeah, Brody confronted him and he was honest about it. He's like. I was. He's like, I'm on the Rams, and he goes, Well, you're in my fucking locker room. Show some respect. And he and he said he, he he, you know, humbled down a little bit and said, I'm sorry. I just really want to get into the business and whatever. The Brody had him kicked out, but but actually uh, made sure somebody got his uh, contact information or whatever. So they brought him in, and that's that's where he he got he got beat up on TV as Leon Baby Bull White, but. Um, they kind of started liking him because he, he took the beatings and, you know, uh, that's he kind of had on-the-job training. Um, but that, he good, walked right in the dressing room. That's a good story. Um, and, I, and I knew it was Baby Boy White, Leon, Baby Boy White. I heard that. I didn't hear the other part. Let me ask you this. So did I just want to make sure I understood you correctly. So Brody had him kicked out of the out of the locker room, but he made sure he had his information prior to kicking him out, or he gave it to someone prior to being kicked out. I don't remember the story exactly, but but Brody Brody had Brody you know protected the business and was like, "Fuck, you're in my locker room, motherfucker," et cetera. And this was out of Vader's mouth, um, telling somebody yeah. else on a podcast yeah, yeah. one time. And he said that uh, he made sure that I went out and sat in a seat and, and you know, put him, put him in his place, in other words, made him a fan when he tried to walk right in and what have you. Right. But uh, uh, whether it be Brody or whoever, maybe one of the Ganyas or whoever was there, yeah, did get his info or whatever. He might have oh. went with Ryan's. He might have went with Brad Ryan's for like a, a – a trip or two, but it, he was on TV pretty quickly. Yeah, and Man, they beat him. So and cool. they beat him up. Yeah, I never and then, that. Bur- I love it. That's see, that's why I'm still a fucking wrestling fan, man. That that's an awesome fucking story. 
Yeah. Well, Brody, yeah, Brody I mean, used to run a territory. But I, I, I hope 100% for sure that, that Brody came up and kicked him the fuck out. <laughs> well, Brody uh, Brody was a promoter, so Brody knew he had to keep kayfabe, but Brody also knew, look at this big bastard. We could use him, but we're not going to let yeah. him come in here and big shot us. So let's humble him first, and then we'll use his ass because of how big he is. So Brody knew what he was doing, I believe. That all makes sense. And, and see, that's, that's why I think, and I can't speak for you guys, but that's why I'm such a fan. When I hear something like this, and again, Rest in peace, you know, Leon White, Big Van Vader, but what a fucking story to to know that someone protected a business that that made him get in his place, but also recognize, hey, this guy, he's a big, strong, cock-strong-looking bastard. Put him in his place, but by the same token, maybe we got something for him. And then and, and mm-hmm. he turned it into a career. But, man, wow, that is... That's why I'm such a fan, and still, and, and I don't care if people laugh or say, "Well, you're a fucking mark." You know what? That's why I'm still a fucking mark for the business, man. Just hearing that story tonight, it's worth all the joking, all the kidding, all the other stuff we was going on about. Hearing that has made my night. So no, you didn't bring the you didn't bring the mood down at all by bringing up the passing of of Leon White. The you know. Uh, Man, what a fucking tremendous story to hear, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and the thing is that what made it even better in a respectful way to Peter is that he told it, and he was apologetic when he was telling it, wherever the fuck it was. It was somebody, yeah. one of the bigger pod, one of the bigger podcasts, like, you know, the it wasn't Jericho, I don't think. I think it was Jim Ross, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he was saying, you know, he... He was saying it humbly, like, I didn't know what the hell. I thought I was a big shot, and I thought they would open, you know, open their arms to me. And and yeah. he says, and and this, and he says, this big son of a bitch grabbed me by my my collar and said, "Who the fuck are you? You're in my locker room." And uh, wow. and and he, I love and he was, he admitted that he was grateful to Brody, and he thanked him later and all that kind of good shit. So he he had a good attitude about it after he got it. In, you know what I mean? After he realized what was up. Wow. And that's oh, really and one, one, one more wow, thing about. Uh, I'm sorry, Bobby. Did I cut you off? No, I was just saying. That's why. That's to me. That's why I was getting. At. I was just saying. I didn't cut you off. I was saying that's why to me. That's the way the business should be, and that's why to me it's still so awesome. I love it. That's that's an awesome story. That's the way it should be, though. But anyway, go. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, that's cool. Uh, what, what they were, like like you were saying, and Nate to a lesser degree, I had it in my mind that he probably had, well, he, he ended up having some serious issues because he was a big boy and all that and whatever, years of hard living and traveling and you know how it goes. But, um he, uh, Beating the hell out I of Kuwaiti reporters. Yeah, exactly. And he got stabbed over Japan. We forgot about that too. He did a little. And he had to work the yakuza and, and and working with Hanson every night will take years off your life too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, they were beating the shit out of each other. But um, uh, he, I thought the same thing uh, because 
he he seemed to be uh, not directly, but almost directly lobbying. And now it sucks that it didn't happen because he passed away, but it seemed like he wanted to get in that WWE Hall of Fame just for the ceremony and the moment. And, uh, you know, he announced that his doctor said he, he could be dead within two years or what have you. And uh, and then he they said something about the kid, Will Osprey, um, not knowing how to work with all the flips and shit and no selling. And then a month later he got flew to England and they worked each other. So he did make money. And even Scott Hall said something on Twitter, like Leon, nice job, brother. Way to come into a payday or something like that. So, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of thought of like he was maybe exagger exaggerating the con- condition, you know, yeah. but, uh, but you know, I, I don't know how how long when he said he had two years. Did, did it pass that time? Did he make it like three? I guess. That's what I was going to ask you guys. They want fact check that. I'm just curious because it seems like to me it was right at about two years. It wasn't yeah. three or not. Did, did someone fact check that real quick? Because Can I'm do. the same way. I'm thinking. Yeah, we'll check on. Like almost spot on. I could be wrong. It could have been three years ago, but it seems like. Give or take a couple months, it seems like he was he was spot on with it, man. And yeah. It kind of uh, sad. As much as I love that story, um, uh, actually, it looks it like he had. It looks like he had uh, announced around November of 2016. He had about two years left, and then he passed in June of this year. So actually, he didn't even hit two years. He had about a year and a half. And see, I didn't that, know that. Uh, I didn't know that he had double knee replacement surgery, and was in a coma for thirty-three days. I didn't know that. I didn't know that shit either. No, I, didn't, to that, I didn't know it either. Um, lost one hundred and twelve pounds in a thirty-three day coma. Holy shit! Right. Huh. Um, that's, some, that's some serious. That's some serious I don't know if any of you guys. I don't know if any of you guys had maybe kids or maybe you stumbled on it one day or, or saw it online, but uh, Vader was also a hell of an actor. Um, I grew, I'm 28, so I grew up watching the uh, the old Disney lineup, the uh, TGIF he lineup. World. He was on Boy Meets World. He played he uh, Frankie Stacchino's father, and he actually played himself just, as Vader, which I always thought was I so cool. The, I, I saw the gifts and the spots and stuff on Twitter where he was on there, um, obviously I'm a little bit older, you young motherfucker. I thought you were 28. <laughs> Do you dye your beard? Because I, I thought you were at least fucking 48, motherfucker. Honestly, Nate, seriously, I, I really thought you a couple years older than that just because of your maturity level. But 28, you're a young fucking buck, man. Uh, uh, but seriously... I only saw the gifts and the uh, the little shit uh, they put on Twitter, um, and so I didn't really watch that show, even though I had I was aware of that show. But I didn't. Was he really that good on the show? He was very entertaining. Uh, he was on there one time. They had an episode where he actually worked a match with Jake Roberts on the show, um, and okay. Brother Love Bruce Pritchard was on it. And Bruce revealed on his podcast they did an entire episode on Vader. And they revealed that um, 
they still get royalty checks from that show. Granted, yeah. it's like, you know, a buck or something, but randomly yeah. sometimes from the reruns, they'll still get little royalty checks from it. So, yeah. but apparently he loved it, according to what I've heard. He he really enjoyed it and had a good time with it, and he got to work with the guy that did the voice of Kit from Knight Rider and um, the guy yeah. that played Mr. Feeney. Yeah. So. Now, now all jokes about age, all joking about age, kidding aside, so... So how old were you when you was watching that? Just curious. Um, um, were you like a teenager? I mean, were you a no, wrestling I fan was, to know that he was a wrestler to actually be on the show? Like getting that, I guess. Oh, I, I knew exactly who he was. Repeats. No, I watched it as it aired. I was uh, I was about six or seven years old. I was a wrestling fan. Say, I went to it my came first. on in ninety. It came but on. But were you a wrestling fan, so. Nate? Oh, I was I've been a wrestling fan, Bobby, since I was I went to my first match at six months old. My parents took me. And uh okay, I've been so, watching So when he came on that show ever. When I was getting that when he came on that show you knew that was actually a legitimate pro wrestler. Oh yeah, I knew it was Vader. I knew exactly who it was. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was asking. That is interesting, man. That's very cool. Very cool. But he was built he was billed on the show. As Leon White in the credits, not as Vader. He was billed as himself, so I always thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. Well, one of my, one of my, not to get off Vader because I'll get back on him, but you sparked a yeah, memory. Fine. One of my greatest, one of my greatest childhood memories. I'm back here in Clifton Heights, and we used to have. I'm 48, Bobby, so <clears throat> you'll remember yeah, this. I knew you uh, about, I knew you was in 40s. Yeah. Uh, when I was. I don't I don't know the exact age, but Clifton Heights had a cinema, uh, a movie theater. You know, since then things changed. We got a Home Depot up there and all that other good shit. But we had a little, uh, you know, you know how it is, little man like the Alan Jackson song. But um, uh, Clifton Heights Cinema was playing Paradise Alley, and I was a fan since what my parents tell me. I was like an overactive kid that could have used Ritalin, but I would just stop and sit and watch wrestling when they would put it on, and that would be the babysitter. Like when I was now you need anti-Ritalin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I remember Paradise Alley came out, and I was already, uh, you know, getting magazines of what I don't know what year that would be or how old I would be, but it was like Nate mentioned the credits. Um, and then later when I got to know Funk, he, he told me about, you know, how he joined SAG after the SAG union at the time only yeah. because the wrestlers didn't have insurance. And, he you know, he caught a little bit of shit about it, but it's he said it fixed his knees, it fixed everything else, and then he could keep making his real money in wrestling. So, But anyway, I remember just picking out the people that were in that movie I'd be like, holy shit, yeah. there's Ray Stevens. Holy shit, there's Dick Murdoch. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and like, it was like they would, they would just be taking a bump for the guy who played, you know, the Rocky's protege or whatever. Not Rocky, yeah. but whatever he played in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would pop me as a kid just seeing those guys that I recognized. And then I would look at the credits and I'd be like, you know, trying to. It was it was scrolling down. I'm trying to read every one, like popping every name that would be one of the boys, you know. Well, I, mean, I do when you... know, I, I do know what you're saying because 
I w- obviously just with the, with the age difference, a few years there, in my early mm-hmm. teens, and when that first came out, I, I I knew about it because of the magazines and and just being such a, a big fan, but I didn't mm-hmm. actually get to see it until with an air on HBO, which would be you know what at that time three months to six months after it was released, and, right. and I was that. Like you were saying, even though I was a couple years older than you, and and again, um, uh, real beautiful and age thing for a while, I kept saying, they say, "What's your birthday?" And I would say, six twenty-five seventy-three, and I could knock off ten years quick, quick. And I, and <laughs> it didn't matter if it's girls, guys, whatever. I'd say six twenty-five seventy-three, and I could get by that ten years. But then a few years ago, I went by. I'd say, I said, could I could do the math, I could minus 10 out, and I was tell, taking care of myself, healthy enough, no gray hair, wasn't losing any hair, et cetera. And I'd say, without a fucking bat an eye, I'd say, 625.73, and people bought it. Then some years passed, and I was like, man, you can't do that fucking 10-year thing. So I started remembering shit, and I started going, 625.68, and I'd take off five years quick, quick. And then for like two years, I kept saying, yeah, I'm 50, you know, I'm 50. And, man, about two years ago, it just started catching up. And I was like, holy fuck, man, I'm going to be 50 fucking five years old. And that's the third time I publicly announced that, that tomorrow I'll be 55. So I can no longer say 625-73, 60, uh, 625-68. Or whatever, I'm like, and I can't get by. I was, I was telling a guy, he, he actually just turned 60, and he, he was a high school football star around here. And I ran into him at the store a few, a few weeks ago, and I know I'm getting sidetracked, but he said, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I just turned 60 in May," and he said, "You know so and so," and I said, "Yeah," and I knew this guy was a basketball star, and and he said, "Yeah, he turned 60 the 17th, which would have been the other day because this has been a couple weeks ago." And I was like, God damn, you guys are 60? And then I realized when I was talking to him, I said, this guy's name is Ricky. I said, Ricky, I'll be 55 the 25th of this month. And he looked at me like, I played with his kid brother. And he looked at me like, what? You know? So anyway, back to the yeah. So I can't get by the fucking, you know, I might as well admit it. Double nickels tomorrow, whatever it is, it is. But the thing is, when I was getting out to the Paradise Alley, I did the same thing as a wrestling fan when when I did see it on HBO for that first time, uh, which would have been probably around the same time, give or take <clears throat> six months, that you saw it. Um, I was popping when I saw so-and-so because I knew him from the magazine or I'd see him on the old Memphis tapes. Or when I saw a name, I waited for them names to stroll across that screen and I'd say so-and-so, so-and-so. And I knew, like, you know, I, I was – that's just, and then as of course as we got older, and you realize like uh, I think in Funk's book he mentions when him and Stallone were like walking to um, uh, one of the arenas to shoot a scene or something, uh, and all the fans come running over. Stallone thought this coming to him, and all the fans were coming to Terry Funk, and he knew realized yeah. that you know the fucking wrestling was over. You know, then he wasn't he wasn't Rocky yet per se. I don't know, you know. He was still Sylvester right. Long struggling actor. Even though Rocky had been made, people still fucking flocked to Terry Funk, you know. And um, and right. I read those things years later. But as a young boy, when that movie came out, again, give or take a few months, I was like you, Tom. I was like, 
what a fucking, I was such a mark like, oh, God, Frankie the Thumper, and, and, and you know, and that so-and-so, Dory was here, Ray Stevens was there, and, and who's taking this bump? I, I was just so fucking infatuated. I'm such a fucking fan, man, that I just love, even with this guy's a mate, even though, and, Tim, I haven't forgot about you up here in Canada, brother. We're all coming up here to see you. Tim, I haven't forgot about you. But, Nate, as young as you are, and and and, yeah. and, and so anyway, uh, Tom, and I know you're a couple years younger. Again, you know, 10 years younger than me. I know you're 44. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> oh, I got put you over, brother. You got me on your show. You know, you're mid-40s, <laughs> So anyway, my point is that's pro wrestling through the friendships, through the love of pro wrestling has brought friendships and fellowship and kindness and love for something that we all have in common. We still love professional wrestling and professional wrestlers. You know, that's the common fucking denominator, man. It crosses, and I'm not pushing anything. I'm just saying I, I wrote that book, um, my second book, uh, I kicked that on to the Educational Wrestler. Uh, real briefly, I wrote a, there's a chapter in there. It's a short story book, and, and you can get on Amazon or whatever. And again, I'm not, I don't give a fuck whether people buy it or not. It's called Yard Time, and I worked as a prison guard for a couple years before I got my first contract. And two things that happened while I was at that prison was, while I was there, they brought in Muhammad Ali. Wow. Yeah, they did. And another thing that happened, they brought him in in either May or June, okay, warm weather. Then we ran a professional wrestling show because I got the idea if they brought Ali in, they would like professional wrestling. This is a federal prison, and this is a huge story. And I went to my supervisor, my lieutenant, who took me, and I went straight up through the chain of command because, you know, you you have to do that respect thing. And they liked liked pro wrestling, uh, the idea of it. And what happened was after the show, the warden brought me into his office like a couple of days later, and he thanked me as an officer. He said, do you realize there were like 1,200 inmates at this federal correction facility. This is a straight shoot, guys. Um, there was about 1,200 inmates. Of that, about 800 were eligible because you got some guys that were locked down 24-7. You had some guys that have you know, kitchen detail, yard detail, and different details because they are in prison. But Muhammad Ali drew like 667 inmates when he came. They had the local news come in. He drew a huge amount of inmates because he crossed all barriers. Because the point of my story is when you bring country music in, I know, Tom, you love country music. Country music is a couple black people, but mostly white, redneck, hillbilly inmates. When you brought in rap, all the black guys, maybe a couple of white guys went. When you got gospel music or, or Christian music or a Christian uh, group performing, that's who you drew from. So they'd average about two or 300 people at the most. But Ali drew 667 people out of the yard out of, out of approximately 1,200 inmates. When I brought professional wrestling in, we drew, and the warden called me into his office. Again, this was a couple of days later. We drew 661. It's a straight shoot because professional wrestling 
Like Muhammad Ali, we drew 661. Of course, we had a captivated, unintended audience. These guys are fucking locked up. You know, they don't have a lot of choices for their entertainment. But professional wrestling, like Muhammad Ali, it transcended, just like you and I are talking about Paradise Alley, and, and, uh, and my point of this conversation is, it transcends race, it transsexuality, it transcends whether you're black, and I mentioned race, but black, white, Hispanic. They segregate themselves out of the yard. There was bikers in one section, or blacks in another section, Hispanics in another. Uh, it transcends. There was Mexican to, to Hispanics from, like, Central America, professional. Was, we had inmates from, like, 143 fucking countries. It was a federal fucking prison. But Ali transcended audiences. People knew who he was. When, when professional wrestling come in, we packed out that fucking yard, man. Only six less than Ali had drawn. And, and again... Everyone's accounted for. It's a federal prison. They do five fucking counts a day. They know where you're at, you know? So right. for wrestling, when we was out there in that yard and we set up at a certain time, we had a two-hour show. We had a breakdown at a certain time. You know, trucks inspected, wrestlers inspected, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line was that's, what, that's the goodness and the love of professional wrestling is. It doesn't matter if you're from Logan, West Virginia, up in Canada, Philadelphia, Kentucky, or over a fucking over in Japan or Russia or France or wherever, uh, Cambodia or, or fucking Mexico or wherever. Professional wrestling transcends all fucking walks of life, man. People that are gay, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't fucking matter. If you love professional wrestling, it brings people together. I agree. Anyway, uh, I never knew that about you. Um, let me ask you a follow-up. A follow-up on this. Um, you you worked at the prison, and you were still working uh, in the business as well. So you worked the show as a wrestler. Yes, I did. I actually worked it. Did you get over with them as a baby face or a heel because you were the corrections guy? Here's the thing. That's the, that's the beauty of it, Tom. That's the beauty. First of all, just like I told it in my story, you can go back and look it up. I'll try to send you a PDF or whatever, but here's the bottom line. I booked it. I sold it. It's my show. Who the fuck you think's in the main event? <laughs> <laughs> and who the fuck do you think's going over <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We had a really good solid show. We had five matches. Um the 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 funniest things were these. People kept yelling, Where's the women wrestlers of course? And he could not have brought women wrestlers in there. Everyone no. kept this one guy kept saying, and I'm gonna get to your fucking answer in just a second. One guy over and over and over, it's funnier fuck. Kept yelling, drop kick that motherfucker. And <laughs> he sang drop kick throughout for two hours. And, 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 my, and, and my brother, who worked under a hood, worked a third match. He threw a drop kick, and it wasn't good enough because he just one inmate kept saying, 
drop kick him, and then he would say implicitly, if it wasn't motherfucker, it was drop kick him in the nuts, and then we'll pop. <laughs> and like I said, there's fucking over 600 inmates out there. We had a couple inmates that were like emceeing it, and one guy, we even let the re- one inmate be a referee. We let one inmate be a manager. We we, we incorporated really good. But this one guy kept saying, drop kick him in the fucking knee. Drop kick him in the nut. Drop kick him in a cunt. It didn't matter. This guy had to get that in every fucking match. <laughs> During my match, I wrestled this big old fucking legitimate outlaw biker dude that worked some shows. He was a real big old muscular motherfucker, big beard, tattooed up. Been around the business, he's passed away now, but he worked as Diablo, the outlaw. And so okay. when 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 I came out, you got a picture, I'm in a federal prison. And at the time I was in pretty good shape. I had went to this prison when I was eighteen years old to play basketball. I played in several tournaments when I you and I talked basketball before we walked off to the NBA podcast here. Um so I'd go out there and I'd play, and, and I was a nervous fucking wreck being 18, 19, 20-year-old with long blonde hair and tan with a pretty good body in a fucking federal prison, you know. But when I was out there as a guard, it was a whole different situation. So right. when, when, when the main event took place, because I booked the main event, and you can't book this shit, I do not care if you're Vince fucking McMahon. You can't book this shit. And when I tell you this, you won't believe it. But it's a God's honest truth. And that's this. Is I, I booked it against this guy, Diablo, the outlaw. He comes, and I got this guy named Shorty as the manager, who was an old Bill Watts uh, wrestling fan from the old uh, Mid-South, okay? He was in there for okay. Oklahoma, from Oklahoma in this federal prison. He told me when they arrested me, I had a brand-new Cadillac, and when they opened a fucking trunk up, of all the 1,200 inmates, this only guy ever, ever to tell me everyone else was innocent except for Shorty. <laughs> Shorty, who would be dead by now, I'm sure, because this was 30 fucking years ago or whatever. Shorty was fucking guilty. You know why Shorty was fucking guilty? Because he told me, Bobby, when they arrested me, I had a Cadillac. When they opened up the back, I had 50 grand in it with a bunch of fucking crack cocaine in it and fucking handguns and a fucking book. They had 14 boys' names and one girl's name in it. I was guilty as a motherfucker. <laughs> but if you let me be your manager, <laughs> we're going to win that match because he was such a fucking mark. He might have had that fucking little black. When, when Shorty got his sentence, when Shorty got his sentence, that judge said to him, Shorty, I find you guilty, and I give you 35 years. What do you say to yourself? And Shorty, like I said, his 50th time, he said, Your Honor, I'm an old man. I don't know if I can do 35 years. And that, he said, that judge, he said he took that gavel. He hit that fucking thing. He said, well, Mr. Thomas was his last thing. He said, well, Mr. Thomas, you might be able to do 35 years, but you do what you can, okay? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shorty knew he wasn't getting back out on the street, but he was guilty because he had to do what he could. So I let Shorty be my manager. And we had a guy that was actually, uh, that emceed it. We had some guys, you know, referee. We had a good time. So when they announced me, here I am, long blonde hair, pretty good shape, good tan. It's in October. Ali was the only one to outdraw us. And here's what happened. 
that guy, the outlaw, Diablo, come out there and he said, hey, and he looked like a fucking inmate. He really did. And the hell he fights right. this time for anyway. But he said, I heard this Bobby Blaze, the CO, short for correctional officer, of course. He said, I heard Bobby Blaze is a CO at this institution. I'm going to do all you inmates a big favor. When I get in that ring, I'm going to break his fucking back. And if he's scheduled for midnight or tomorrow morning, you inmates can rejoice because Bobby Blaze will not be here. He'll be in a fucking hospital when I'm done with him. He was a big old guy, probably 6'2", 320, heavy. And then fucking inmates pop for him. So yeah, that's what I, yeah. In the brain. And at that point, it becomes a shoot because I've got to fucking work there, okay? Legitimately. He fucking cut an interview, interview that is pretty much straight shoot. That's the way it was. He got over. He slides in the ring as he does. I come out and I get on, and it's boom, 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 boom. And it's it's not much of a wrestling match, obviously, because you're in a fucking pre- a prison that setting. And here's what happened: we shorties running around the ring yelling like a fucking maniac because we're a fucking you know, ex-fucking Crystal Matthews and 50-year-old fucking bar <laughs> running around Bobby, get him! Bobby, get him! You know, and he's running around. The referee don't know what to fucking do because he's a fucking inmate. He's like, he don't know if it's a shooter or work. Cause he don't know what's starting him up. The announcers, there was one black guy and one white guy that were announcers that didn't even get my name out after the interview because I just hit the ring. And, again, here's where... And, again, it's not a dig towards anything, sports, entertainment, WWE, or Vince or anyone. You can't plan this shit. This is no lie. We start fighting. And we're, we're working, but we're fighting. Hitting, 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 and it's stiff. I had right. this old thing that we that we took into the prison. Okay? He picked me up for a vertical suplex. And when he suplexed me, the whole fucking ring... The outside boards of those wooden rings. Fifth match. Could you imagine mm-hmm. if this happened the first or third match? It happened in a main event. It was like some kind of divine intervention. He suplexed me and a fucking ring collapsed. The two by twelve oh, on the outside of the ring fucking snapped. And we went straight Dang down it. into the asphalt on the concrete asphalt of the basketball goals. And that fucking place come unglued. It I'm came unglued. And, and I never will forget Damn. my father, who's been dead for several years now, the recreational director looked at my dad and said, was that planned? And my dad looked at him and said, I have no idea. Because my dad wasn't smartened up to the business at all. And he was he helped set up that ring so many times it wasn't even funny. When we took it to the, we took it to the yard that day, we had volunteer inmates that, that had to put it up at a certain time. That's the quickest I've ever seen a ring set up, even over in Japan. I've never seen the boys put a fucking ring together like that. <laughs> but they wanted, they wanted wrestling. Like I said, Ali yeah. transcended, professional wrestling transcended. And so they set that ring up, and when that ring fucking collapsed, the fucking place erupted. And... Shorty would grab my leg. This guy about broke my back because when I went through, one of the boards hit my lower back, and also I, I laid on the asphalt. So you're like half ass in, halfway out, you know. 
and you can't protect right. yourself in that kind of because it was not planned. Thankfully, it didn't happen Damn. in the first third match, the main event. And I'll finish up. Shorty grabbed my fucking leg going, Bobby, get out and pin him. Get out and pin him. This guy was about 300, 320 pounds. He's on his back. The the outlaw, the Diablo, he's like a turtle. It's fucking classic yeah. wood, canvas all around. He can't fucking move. So I roll back over. Shorty, I'm like, let go, let go. He grabbed my leg. My back is legitimately hurt, not broken or nothing like that, but like stiff, you know, like, oh, fuck. You know, I'm like, let go, let go. And he's, hit him, hit him. And I'm like, I'm fucking trying to. If you let go of my fucking leg, you know. Diablo's laying on his fucking back like a turtle in a fucking shell upside down on a fucking double-A highway somewhere. And I roll over, and a referee comes in, and is smart enough to go up and climb at an angle to where the ring will have to go one, two, three, the bell rings, and the fucking place goes nuts. So even though I was a CO and started off as a heel because I hated a fucking CO, I finished up as a baby face going over because of the way the match fucking ended. And at that time, when that happened, the guy, the, the, um, the the work of control, the the uh, uh, physical director contacted control and said, "I now saw inmates return to four o'clock count so we can get ready because it, it ended at three thirty. We had thirty minutes to get that ring out of there." He immediately phoned in, you know, by walkie-talkie, you know, call in count, call in count because we're gonna have a problem out here. Whatever he said, and man, inmates fucking was going nuts. They loved it. They was. They was making the announcements, you know, La Quinta, La Quinta, count time, count time. Uh, all inmates be turned through the cells. And, man, them guys loved it so much. We were still laying there, standing by the ring, and guys were walking by. Hardened fucking criminals from fucking rapists to murderers to fucking big-time drug dealers walking by going, thank you, thank you, shaking our hands, uh. going back to their fucking cell. Without a riot, single file, going through a fucking security gate to get back to their cells, so at four o'clock they could go, they could get their mail and go eat. And when I came back to work at midnight, which I did do, and I worked, there was a JKLMM. They was called the barn units. They had A through H at the time, but JKLMM B was a lockdown unit 24/7. C was a lockdown uh, about 20 hours a day. D, E, and F were opened, but J, K, L, and M, they were all barn units, which basically were like um, uh, two two men per cell, but they was unlocked, unsecured stalls. And I worked day unit, and when I walked in that night at midnight to relieve my guy, because the show ended at four, I had an eight-hour break, come back in at midnight, I come in like 11.45 to do, you know, your midnight count. Dude... This no lie. I'm getting chills telling you this. Everyone in that fucking unit, maybe one or two, not, but everyone in that fucking unit, and you have five counts a day. Four o'clock is called standing count. No matter what you're doing at four o'clock, when you're in a federal fucking prison, you are standing, and they count you. Yeah. Midnight, you can be asleep. Uh, uh, you know, 6 a.m., you can be asleep. 4 a.m., you can be asleep. Whatever. But... At, Midnight, when I came in, there was a hundred. There was a hundred inmates. No lie, fifty on each side, two per cell, that are unlocked, unsecured. When I walked in, 
about 98 of them motherfuckers were standing up for midnight count. And when I went by yeah. behind, hey, Tom Robinson, because I don't know the guy, I can't remember who I relieved, he walks in front, right. he counts, walked behind, you count. When I was behind him, every one of them fucking guys was mumbling, thank you, boss, thank you, thank you. There might have been a couple that were asleep or laying down, but they didn't have right. to be standing up at midnight count. And when my relief, when I when he left the unit, several of those guys come to my office. Boss, you got a minute? They stood right. They wouldn't even walk in the fucking door. You could tell the shine on the floor from from the uh, uh, hall to my office because they kept that office not just for me but for other officers as well. Very clean. I was in my chair and I was like, Boss, you got a minute? They was, can I come in? And they would stand there in line and they said, Thank you. Do you realize what you've done today? And I didn't. I didn't. Now that I'm older, I do. I made those men, it was almost like Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I made those men for at least one day. They forgot they were federal fucking inmates, convicts. They forgot they was in prison. They was with their friends, their best friends, their in, their, their cellmates, their, their butt buddies, whatever, their biker buddies, the blacks, the, the Hispanic they was at a fucking professional wrestling show for two hours, and they forgot they were in prison. They were like when the guys in Shawshank got to drink a couple beers when they tarred that roof up there, you know. Um, right. You know, that record, you'll get it. Um, I just, I sit there and was amazed how many people stood at attention and also come to my door late into the night going, man, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, boss. Man, what a hell of a show you put on. And I didn't know you was that good, or I didn't know you was built like that, or you put in that uniform, you know, or whatever it was. For a couple hours, I made those guys forget they were criminals, inmates, prisoners, convicts. For that couple hours, you know what they felt like? They not only felt like men, they felt like human fucking beings again, man. Yeah. That's That's a strange story. That's, it's a, that's a wonderful shoot. story. It's, it's called yard time, and I wrote it from my heart because it's the truth, man. And, and it, it's touching. It is. Yeah. And I, I hope you read it. If you're listening, if you want to buy it, it's only two ninety nine on fucking Amazon. But I'm not here promoting. I'm not. I'm not here saying go buy it, guys. I'm not telling your fans to go buy it. I'll send you guys a fucking copy. I'll bring you one if I see you in person. I wrote it just like I told you, man. It's the God's honest truth. I made those guys, not me, but the talent, not me, but the talent that I was gifted with of professional wrestling, I made grown men feel like human fucking beings for at least a couple hours of their life. And to me, that's something. Well, I can add to it it from the other side. Um, I've never did anything, you know, crazy, crazy, but... I was on the other end 15 weekends in 2007, 11 years ago. And I wasn't in federal. I was just in the county. But I, I know what you're talking about, about the counts. And, uh, you know, the late ones, you know, you're uh, a lot of the times you're asleep. So if everybody was standing up, that was, uh, that was a complete success. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. So I can, I can relate from my from my a cup of coffee in there and that's why I asked as a CO you know in the first question way before I heard the story unfold how you booked it 
because, uh, you know, some COs were likable and got along with the guys and some they had. Yeah. And I was in the the equivalent of the – it was mine was like a barrack-type deal where it was like – Yeah, uh, that's what this was, kind of a barracks. Yeah, that that was mine it because was kind I, you of know. like a barracks. But um, ours were like 50 yards long and a bunch of bunk beds, steel bunk beds, you know. Um, yeah. But – uh, yeah, I get it from the count thing, but I mean, on a smaller, uh, smaller scale, where, like I, you know, I'll just tell you my whole deal real quick. I, you know, I, I take the anxiety, depression medication, still do. And back then, um, in Delaware County, they, they, you know, even doctor approved, somehow they lost my shit the first weekend and I was all fucked up and jittery and whatnot. So, I'll just fucking shoot and tell you. Um, I I wrapped uh, my Klonopin in like eight of them in uh, saran wrap as tight and little as I could, and I, I fingered it up my asshole. I ain't going to lie to you. But uh, CEO, the CEOs would check me on when I'd be there, and, you know, I'd have to, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, you, yeah. You, had a, you know the deal. Uh, but it would stay, it would stay up there because I I was always cool with them and one of them happened to be a wrestling fan ironically enough and I resubscribed to the Observer just because I'd have something to read and I I would talk to him and he'd be like what's that and I'd be like no I'm done with it man check it out and then from that point forward they never checked me again so I was just good for like the rest of the thirteen weeks right. And yeah. every time, I'm sure you heard med check when you worked there, you know. Oh, um, yeah. We had pill line. We had pill line. People went at 730 in the morning, pill line, 8 o'clock p.m., pill line. People got in line for pills. Yeah, it was the same deal, but mine were always missing, you know. And that's why I said, fuck this, man, because, you know, I wasn't comfortable. I'm not even comfortable in my own bed chilling, much less in a, in a cold-ass you know, deal with a bunch right. of fuck ups, but right. Uh, you know, everybody well, wasn't a fuck up, but you know what I mean. Um, I felt but, like uh, I appreciate your ahead, story. And it, I was just saying, I appreciate your story, and that does happen. And, and, and people don't realize they watch these shows on TV, and it, it really isn't like what people see on TV. Sometimes it's, it's like what you, I, what I told, and what you told. That's the reality of it. Is and when I worked there, I never felt like I was my brother's keeper per se. I felt like, say, say if you and I was in that situation, I would be the one talking to you about, hey man, what you got there? You got the observer? Oh, cool. You know, because you are, you have already been penalized for your crime, and that's why you're there. So while I'm there, don't fuck with me. I'm not going to fuck with you because my bottom line is this. I want to go home every night, and you have to live here. And also, right. where I'm not my keeper, I felt like your punishment is you're away from your family, your friends, you're away from society, no matter how simple or how complex or how fucking harsh your crime was. I had a hard time at times thinking you're supposed to you're supposed to treat people fair. And consecutive and consistent. So you got to keep one person that might be a rapist, and one person that may be a fucking bank robber, and one person that just fucked up. It's it's hard to be 
hard for me to say as an individual, how can I treat this guy that raped someone uh, the same as I treat the guy that fucking had enough balls to go and rob a bank? You know what I'm saying? I'm just right. saying I was supposed to be firm, fair, and consistent. I tried to be that way. But while I was there, I thought, you know what, your fucking punishment is this. You're here every weekend, or in my situation, they were there for years and life or whatever. I wasn't trying right. to be their fucking keeper. I'm like, you know what, don't disrespect me. Don't. I won't disrespect you. You live here, motherfucker, and let's all get along. And as long as you don't fuck with me, because I had people, I talked to them, I had run-ins, not everything was fucking this prison. Not every fucking thing is lollipops, rainbows, and fucking unicorns. But yeah. for the most part, my deal was this. You show me respect, I'll show you respect. Don't fuck with me, I ain't fuck with you. You live here, I'm going home. And I had many nights where, like, maybe I might be getting off at midnight. And a fight break out at fucking quarter to 12, and you're like, motherfucker, yeah. now i got to pack your fucking bags and send you to the fucking hole. And you're going to be out in two or three days anyway. And, and then I've got two or three hours of overtime, which didn't mean shit to me, but it meant, like, fucking stress out the ass that I had to break up these two fucking cocksuckers fighting over the fucking NCAA finals, you know? Because, <laughs> you know, North Carolina, North Carolina beat Kentucky or whatever, and they're out there fucking fighting, and you're like, motherfuckers, go to bed, it don't fucking matter. But back then, you could right. smoke and... You wasn't supposed to gamble, but back then you could smoke or betting cigarettes or betting money. That's their life, you know. But but I'm like, you motherfuckers, I wanted this team to win, but I can't fucking sit or argue with you. Fuck you. Now i got to pack your bags and lock you up for the fucking hole for two or three days. So, yeah, I had nights like that, too. But for the most part, I just felt like, Tom, just so you know, I always felt like, look, I'm not here to be my brother's keeper. You're here as a punishment, and you do your thing, I do my thing, and if that meant, and I, I, that one unit, J unit, at 9 o'clock, 9.05 on a Saturday morning, when I clocked in, uh, when I came in for 8 o'clock for a day shift, and I hated day shift, but when I done a weekend day shift, you can bet at 9 o'clock if I was doing mornings, or at 6.05 if I was doing evenings, the sports TV, they had movie TV and sports TV. When I walked in, guess what? I was bringing through. Hey, boss, TBS is on. Hey, boss, WCW's on. Hey, boss, they fucking knew they had me right there. They could be back there gambling or fucking. I didn't care because the two or three guys that pulled me in there said, boss, TBS is on. Hey, they knew the fucking schedule. They was wrestling fans. Like I said, the two or three guys, hey, boss, it's already ready to go. Let's go. I do my count. I'd eat my breakfast, I'd go sit in a fucking TV room, and they had that fucking TV on for wrestling from 9.05 to 6.05 or 6.05 to 8.05, depending what shift I was working. They knew if we want to gamble, we want to fuck, we want to fight, guess where Bobby Blaze is going to be at? He's going to be in the TV room watching wrestling. <laughs> right. and, and I'd much yeah. rather have that piece than worry about, well, fuck. Who's back there fucking? Who's back there fighting? Who's back there gambling? I didn't give a fuck. The government's paying me. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember Saturday. That's what I was going to compare it to for my lack of experience. But I remember 
the Saturday night would they would just play a VHS tape of some random movie, whatever fucking movie they had, and yeah. everybody would crowd up just like you said, just to escape the moment of reality that they're in there. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, I couldn't imagine if it was a live wrestling event. That would be like oh yeah. The umpteenth. It's, it's it's strange the shit you appreciate when you don't have it, and you're, you know what I mean. And so yeah, I mean that was probably the greatest day of a lot of their lives. You know what I mean? And oh you man, that in there. I, I I'll finish up with this, and, and I and I won't bore you any longer. Many months later, um, that, that took place in October. I actually had a vacation coming up. I went to I went to Louisiana. And I've done a wrestling show out there. I went to Florida, and I've done a couple wrestling shows down there at the time, even though I was still working at the prison, because at the time I had had been wrestling prior to working at the prison, and I ended up leaving there to sign my first contract. But anyway, my point is, um, a, a few months later, it's no lie, um, I was talking to Professor Boris Malenko, and and he was talking to me, and he said, Bobby, I want to tell you something. And I, I never can remember this guy's last name. And for some reason in prison, you always call people by either a name or a number. But I knew right. this guy's first name, and I still to this day do not know his last name. His name was Randy. He was a big old guy. He had big arms, big bodybuilder guy, probably 45 or 50 at the time. Okay, he was from Tampa, Florida, and he had been in there because he was caught for drugs. And he had talked to me several times prior to me even bringing that wrestling show in there. He was one of the first people, if not the first one, that thanked me that night when I came into that unit. But a few months later, I was talking. Obviously, I lived in Kentucky at that time because I worked at the prison. So you can fact check. But Malenko was still in Tampa, and I I called him, as I occasionally would, to speak with him. And one evening, I I recall speaking to him on the phone. He said, Bobby, well, first of all, before I even took the job, he told me you should take that job because I, I was at his school, I was wrestling. I had probably 50 matches prior to starting the prison job. And he said, if times were different, I would tell you not to take this job but you should go and take it because it's the largest ongoing study of human psychology there is when you when you go to a learn so much. And I did. And I took that job. He said the wrestling business was different. If it had been a couple of years ago, I'd tell you to stick around because there's territories. And I'm not saying you're not going to make it wrestling, but I'm telling you at this particular time, take that job. It could be a job. It could be a career. But in prison, it's the longest and largest ongoing psychological survey going today, you know, in the world. So I took it. I I took the job. I had blah, blah, blah. Fast forward almost two years later, I was talking to him. And he said, Bobby, I want to to ask you something. I said, yes, sir. He goes, do you remember a guy named, and he said, Randy something. And, and honestly, I do not remember to this day his guy's last name, and I should remember it. And I said, yeah. And I knew the guy was from Tampa. He said, I want to tell you something, Bobby. What you're doing is important. Now, I'd already left the prison at this point. I'd already wrestled up Canada. I'd already done some jobs for uh, WWF TV at the time. 
those type things. But Malenko said, I had a guy. Do you remember a guy named Randy such and such? I said, yeah. Yes, sir, I do. And he said, he came up to me at the gym the other day. He said, he had his really big gloves. you remember that? I said, yeah. He said, he told me that you brought a professional wrestling show into the prison while he was there. And it was the best time of his life. He had been a fan of mine as a young boy down here in Tampa many, many years ago before he got involved in crime. And he said, when you brought that wrestling, I used to talk to that guy all the time. He knew I trained with Malenko. He knew I lived in Tampa. He mentioned McDill Air Force Base where he committed his crimes at. And here's Malenko several months telling me later telling me that guy came up to him at a gym in Tampa and said, you got a guy named Bobby Blaze that used to wrestle for you that you trained? He brought a wrestling show into the prison. I had him incarcerated for almost five years. And of that five years, Bobby Blaze brought a wrestling show into the prison. It was the best time of my life as far as those five years of my incarceration. Wow. That guy fucking thanks Malenko at a gym, and Malenko thanks me for letting them guys or treating them guys like men and human beings. That's the way the world works, man. Yeah. That's you can't beat that, Bobby. That's just... That's a wonderful story. Tim, you got anything you want to ask Bobby? Because Tom and I have been talking his ear off. You got something you've no, never right. spoke with no, him before? No, not really. Bobby's done a great job, as always. Uh, told me some stories I hadn't heard before about him. So, no, I'm, I'm quite happy. Thanks. All right. Well, we are actually Hi. past time. We are in overtime. This two hours flew by, and we want to thank Bobby Blaze for joining us here tonight on our Sunday night discussion as we do weekly, and Bobby, thank you so much, man. You're welcome on any time you want. Man, I'm sorry I've talked so much, but I just want to say this. Thank you, guys. I, I really want to just, you know, wide men can't jump. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Um, I want to put you over my podcast, you know, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. It's Bell to Bell with Blaze. Follow me on Twitter at Bobby Blaze 744 But, guys, honestly, it has flown by. But thank you so much, Tim, not Jim. It's nice to meet you. Nate, I'm sure I'll see you somewhere down the line. So, oh, yeah. So thank you, Nate. We're over here in this fucking Logan, West Virginia, Ashton, Kentucky, God-fucking-forsaken place. And, You're telling me. And, Tom, <laughs> me and you, brother, I wish you luck uh, on your, your, your hopefully new job or career. And, and I still look forward to you and I having our first beer together one day soon. But in the meantime, yes, guys, all three so much for having me on your podcast, just shooting the shit and having a good time because, man, you all have made my night, man, and I appreciate it. And I recorded three hours earlier today, so I love this, and I love you guys, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck with your podcast, and, and, and keep up the good work, okay? Thank you, brother. Well, You're you welcome have a anytime. Happy, Wonderful. You have a happy-ass birthday, Bobby. Oh, yeah, yeah. I plan on having a beer in one hand and my own dick in the other. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is birthday season, and season's fucking greetings to you, Bobby Blaze. Happy birthday. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. All right. All right. Thank you, All sir. Right, brother. Have a good night. Too, well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. This has been the Sunday Night Roundtable. Tim, Tom, you guys got anything to add before we get out of here? 
Well, that was a show. Uh, that was a round table, let me tell you. That, that's how you do a round table right there. Bobby Blaze is a man. That was some serious round tabling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, Bobby has probably a thousand stories that are not in his two books and yeah. uh, and revealed just cuz he's been around for so long that you know when you when you let him reminisce that they just pop in his head and like I I never heard the, the jail story till tonight you know I what I mean either. so that was that was badass um so yeah I mean it was a different it was a change of pace for the Sunday night count or Sunday count Sunday night round table but I I really enjoyed it yeah, no arguments from me. I was. Uh, huh? It wasn't. It wasn't like I what I was expecting to be quite honest. Because he did. No, uh, no. You know, he did his. He, he was. He was Bobby there for a bit. Then he got serious for a bit. Then he was Bobby again. Then he got serious again. And that you, you don't always get that on a you know most wrestling podcast interviews don't That's really even, go like that. And we even snuck in Lou and and got him in the five way. Yeah, and he he wasn't afraid to talk about anything. He didn't duck anything. Except no. it was on his mind. He yeah. acted like a normal. He acted like a normal guy, which was just is a nice change of pace from was some of the other ones you hear. Well, we will be back later in the week. I'm sure Tim and Tom will have a show going on. I know the uh, World Cup uh, review will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow You're evening, uh, right Tim and I will be. Goddamn right. The uh, we're still in group play. Group play uh, winds up this week. Before we hit the round of 16, matches, the match twos have ended, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow with Tim and Nate on Wide Men Can't World Cup. So we'll be, we'll be bringing that <laughs> to you tomorrow. Uh, Tim and Tom show will be back this week. Wednesday, the flagship show, Wide Men Can't Jump. We got a couple of guests lined up for you. Uh, one gentleman, uh, Mr. Stevie Browning, has confirmed. He will be on the show. He he is a professional basketball player playing in the country of Hungary at the moment. He his squad just won the um the championship over there in their league. So we'll have him on to talk a little bit. He went to college at the University of Marshall and was actually on Sports Center's top ten place for dunks and uh he'll be on talking about playing professionally overseas. So if you ever want to know about Euroleague know anything about uh playing ball overseas professionally tune into that more coming our your way there and who knows what else might pop up this week so who we'll see what happens uh anything else guys before we go before we go home as they say in the wrestling business yeah uh, take us out of here tr Peace. send us home Peace. thanks for listening to this show on the wide man radio network blogtalkradio.com Slash wide men can't jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com, Facebook.com slash MakeupKennedy, and WowFreeCam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at Wide Men Can't Jump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, 
please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump.